You can kick your fancy ales, you can drink them by the flagon, but the only food for the raven too comes from the green dragon. The east of the realm of Gondor lies a land of perpetual darkness known as Mordor. The skies are filled with choking clouds of volcanic ash from the mountain of fire, and the very air is a poisonous fume. It is barren and harsh land where only the strongest can hope to survive. It is within this blighted realm that the Dark Lord Sauron rose to power during the Second Age of Middle-earth. Hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome to another episode of the Green Dragon Podcast. I'm your host Matt and I have here with me today, Jeremy. I'm right here next to you, Matt. Perfect. And Kylie. Hello, hello. The three amigos. All right, let's get going. This is uh, the second episode where we're ripping into some army lists from the Middle Earth Strategy Battle Game, the new book, which came out a little while ago, but you know, give us a bit of time, we're getting into it. And today, as you may have heard from our intro, we are talking about Baradur. Baradur, what comes to mind? When you think of the name Baradur, Jeremy. The last alliance to me, the evil side, the second age, final battle, taking on the army of Baradur. It's Sauron's army. That comes to mind straight away. I think armies with Sauron and a whole bunch of stuff to fill space. Yep, the Lord of the Rings himself and uh, his massed armies. So many orcs, Kylie. How many orcs are we going to be talking about today? Ah. Just your bog standard variety, unfortunately. Not of the, the fancy stuff, but just the regular, humble, vanilla, circa 2004 metal orcs. 2004? Like 2001, 2002. Oh, were they that early? Yes, yes. 2003, Please. I think, with the plastics. The terrible plastics. The metals, we're talking about the metals, the original metals, the best orcs. It's interesting that over time, much like much like Sauron himself began experimenting and, and making his orcs and, and trolls a little bit better, so did Games Workshop. They started making them a little bit better over time too. But we're, we're going to talk about that sort of thing in a, a different army list. But yeah, today, today we got the regular orcs and they still have a few tricks. They still have a few tricks to them. They're orcs. They're just a horde of orcs. Their trick is they have Sauron leading them. <laughs> that is the main thing with Baradur. And you know what? We're going to get straight into it. Know thine enemy. Alright, you know, let's start with the big gun. The big guy himself, Sauron. Kylie, what's Sauron got for us in this edition? Well, aside from the biggest improvement of them all, which is a 50-point buff in, in the fact that he now costs 400 points with the ring, so that's just mind-boggling in, in, in itself. It's like... It, it, it's on the same level as the Balrog in terms of, like, quality of buff. That is just straight up, like, amazing. The second most amazing thing that they've done to the Dark Lord Sauron is they've made him a monster. Like, Finally. What? Why? Why would you do that? He is so incredibly destructive now and just all-round scary. Like, having to deal with him, like... So, not only does he have spells... Not only is he an absolute beast in combat, not only does he have these crazy special rules, but he now also gets to do brutal power attacks. About time. About time. Just 
Ugh. Ugh. Yeah, I, I'll be honest. That's all I have to say for it. I'll be honest. When the uh, when the monster rules came out last time around, I I could not understand why he wasn't a monster. I thought it was crazy. It was like he is about the size of a cave troll, isn't he? Uh, probably about the same size, and certainly has the power of one, as we see in the opening scene of Fellowship of the Ring. Yeah, what well, far more power than a cave troll, to be honest. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't understand why he wasn't a monster, and I, I certainly do understand why they've made him one now. It's about time. He was, he was one that you never really saw in the old edition, and now I think if you had no other upgrade but just that monster characteristic, that would have been enough to just push him over the edge and make him useful because you can't bog him down with a single troop anymore. It's always got to be throwing a few ins, planning, avoiding the barge, and avoiding the, the hurl, and he could he keep himself going. It's really good. You, you say that, though, Jeremy, but... I've managed to win a tournament with Sauron in the old edition. Like, this is what's boggling my mind, is I saw him as a really good viable option in the old edition, and now he's just even better. So, You've won with everything, so that doesn't count. Yeah, but I still think that his buffs are insane. Like, ugh. Anyway, let's, I'll get into his stats and the other fun stuff that he has going for him now. So obviously Siren is a hero of legend and the cool thing is, is if you take him in just a Barador army, so a pure, pure no allies kind of deal, he kind of turns into a superhero of legend because he can lead up to 24 uh, models in his warband then, which is, you know, Azog level of awesome. No, Azog is Sauron level, it's not the yeah, other that's, way. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, I, I still give level. credit to, you know, Azog because, you know, he did it first. Uh, uh, no, different ages. Sauron was way before. Second age. Yeah, but we're talking about the meta, Jeremy, age. you know, in the actual that. term of the word meta, in the, the, as in um, Azog rules came first. I, I think it's a little disappointing that Azog and Sauron are even in the conversation, the, the same conversation, to be honest. But okay. Uh, so what what else? Like, I, I see right. one little buff there in his base profile, I think. The attack. Let's just yes. go through the profile. Yeah, well, yeah, profile. yeah, let's go for it. So move six, fight value nine with a shoot value of four plus. So crazy Gilgalad level of fight value. He's strength eight, defense ten. He has four attacks, which is pretty swank. It's about right. Uh, yep. Good. Five wounds, courage of seven, and might, will, and fate is still three, six, starry thing. And the starring thing refers to the One Ring, which I'll get into now. So Siren's Wargear is obviously heavy armor and a mace and the One Ring. So the One Ring has been slightly tweaked. Uh, whenever he loses his last wound, uh, or is, would be removed as a casualty, roll a d6. On a 2+, the ring sustains him and he remains on the table with a single wound remaining. And the awesome thing, which I just realized is at the very end of that paragraph, is Siren can now use Might to influence the role. So if, if, if you don't want him to die, he's pretty much not gonna die. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that's actually changed from the last uh, rule, has it? I think it's still the same. I believe you couldn't use Might in the previous edition. One of them, one of them you couldn't for a while. I may have been FAQ'd or not. Um, originally you could, originally you could just use Might on everything. I've actually got in front of me the original Dark Lord profile from the Fellowship of the Ring era. So the first edition of the game um, it came out in a white dwarf, and I've got that. Uh, I've got the the best of white dwarf here, and he was four hundred points then. He could do that. Uh, he only had three attacks. That's the interesting one. But back then, he had three will a turn. Not bad. Yeah, three will oh, yeah. a turn. Yeah. Wow. Well, Gladria was on that same kind of branch too. She got like a whole bunch of will a turn. Held the Balrog back then. Got to use as many will to resist a spell as it had um, wounds. 
true. But this is not a Balrog episode. This is all about Sauron. Yeah, so speaking of Sauron, Sauron's heroic actions are now channeling, strike, strength, and challenge. So, you know, a, a nice, you know, solid array of heroic actions there. A march would have mm. been nice, but he can survive without the march. No heroic accuracy, though. Yeah. Really disappointing. What a shame. Missed opportunity. Yeah. No defense. So everyone's already on a six, but they... He's defense 10. He doesn't need heroic defense. I, I think more importantly, he would yeah, never actually defend. <laughs> like, why would he? He's Sauron. No. Anyway, his special rules are quite lengthy, so we'll rifle them off one by one. Ancient Evil, which is the basically the 18-inch Heartbringer of Evil. Resistant to Magic, which is new and pretty freaking awesome that he has that mm. now so yes not only is he like a crazy spell cast he's can he's like small and he can just shrug off every other spell that comes at him as well obviously terra i mean he's the dark lord if he doesn't have terra what are you doing he has a new special rule called the dark lord which just means he has to be the leader if he is in your force you are not taking any other big bad so even if you take the barog is sauron still your leader the Lord of the Rings, pretty self-explanatory. He can use a single will point each turn without re reducing his own stall. And then we come to his two kind of semi-new, semi-kind of tweet uh, special rules. So the first one is Unstoppable, which is a brutal power attack. So this is his sweep around and hit everyone that's trying to attack him. So instead of striking blows, Siren can instead make one strength eight hit on every model involved in the fight, including spear and pike supports. So if you if he stacks on on him, he can he can just you know swing his mace around and knock everyone over. Yep. So this his was final... this was changed from a special rule to an actual yeah. brutal power attack, which I think is good because I mean it acts exactly like a brutal power attack would. So yeah, nice to see. And you can't hit Glorfindel with it. Yay. That's true. Yeah, but like if if yeah. you're in a fight with Glorfindel, you're striking at Glorfindel. I think. That yeah, fair enough. Yeah. And he's so true. Next special rule, which is kind of. I quite like this special rule. This is kind of really... This is my kind of special rule. So it's called the Flames of Evil. Sarah makes uh, may make a strike against a single infantry or cavalry model engaged in his fight. If the model is cavalry, then the rider will also... Then only the rider will be affected. If the model is fortunate enough to survive, even if they did not suffer a wound, then the target is also set ablaze. Remember, this inflicts one strength nine hit on the poor model that now Siren has in his grasp. So you can basically pick one up, some person up, do a strength eight hit to him, and if that wounds, he sets him on fire, does another strength nine hit, and then keeps take, making him take strength five hits every turn. No, no, no. You, you set him ablaze, and you might hit them with yeah. your normal attack as well. Cool, cool. And then you get, at the end of the turn, the set ablaze strength nine. Set ablaze strength nine. Oh, that's way better. Nice. So a strength eight, a strength nine and they're going to have to roll around to, to stop being on fire. So it's a strength 8, strength 9, and strength 5 hit all rolled into one. Pretty much, yeah. That's pretty cool. I mean, strength, it's, it's no... Strength 5? Because uh, uh, they set ablaze. At the end of every turn, you take a strength 5 hit from set ablaze, and because they can't it's... stop, drop, and roll at the end of a turn, they will I... take the strength 5 hit. Oh, uh, wouldn't it be... Is it the same turn? Are you sure? Yeah, at okay. the end okay. phase of every turn. This happens in the fight phase, so I would expect that at the end phase, they would also take it. All right, cool, nice. So, I mean, when would you use this rather than uh, just simply striking with his four strength eight hits? Maybe rending, something like that? You're up against the big bad of big bads, also known as stuff you can't kill with your straight-up attacks. Like, I don't know, a Gladrill with a mirror behind her, another monster that's going to be really hard to hit, hit. Someone that has a uh, heroic defense against you. Cool. Because yes. This yeah. gets that's except for your strike. Your the set of blades will go past 
the defense. Uh, you could do it against Goblin King, another great target to do this on. Because uh, I think, uh, is he still an infantry model or is he just a monster? Uh, I think he's infantry and cavalry. Uh, sorry, infantry and monster. Yeah, okay. every Yeah, because yeah, everything has an infantry or cavalry characteristic, whether they're a monster or not. Okay, so that's so it just hits everything. Cool. Uh, maybe yeah. not. Um, probably war beasts or siege weapons or something like that. I think they've got the cavalry keyword. Yeah, they do. Okay, yeah. well, maybe I, I can check. It, it kind of doesn't a make a no, <laughs> no, no time. It's a not cavalry. No, 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 no. War beasts aren't cavalry. Oh, okay, cool, cool. Huh, they're war beasts. Yeah, it's I had a feeling because I'm like, well, what wouldn't he be able to set a blaze like a Moomark? And yeah, yeah, you can't set a blaze. So war beasts. Literally, that's the only thing, is he can't set a blaze of war base. Yep, there you go. And the horses of any model he's a Tyranem set on fire. Yeah, no mounts. Can't set mounts on fire. Yeah, he likes I am the definitely setting Isildur on fire next to a water feature, so he's tempted to go jump in the water to put it out and then can drown. Perfect. Um, okay, so I, that's... Oh, the spells. The spells, Oh, Kylie. the spells. The best part about him, his crazy overpowered spells. In uh, order of casting value, so his first spell is Drain Courage at 18-inch range, which is so obnoxious. Like, why? Anyway, Drain Courage at 18 inches on a 2+. Then he has Transfix at 18 inches on a 2+. He has Compel at 18 inches on a 3+. Next, he has Instill Fear, which is the 3-inch the pulse around him to make everyone run away from him on a 3+, which is the best cast in the game. I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong. No, that's right. Yeah, I think the rates have it on a 5+, plus, right? Yeah, I know um, uh, Witch King has it on a 4. Okay, but, there you go. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's the best cast of it in the game. Chill Soul at 18 inches on a 4+. plus. Brutal. Why? <laughs> Why? Because? Like, 12 inches was fine. 18, that's... It's obnoxious. It's so obnoxious. Oh, it's so good. So good. Yeah, and then you channel it's, it for 24 it's as well. It's, yeah. Oh. They're a fantastic set of spells, but I think you'll find that um, that chill soul on a 4+, plus, it's so hard to go past. Oh, agreed. Agreed. The only time you're switching spells up is if you want to start drain-couraging something to see to watch them run away. Because you know you're still not... fear if you need to break people up, yeah. like on objectives or something like that. But yeah. like transfix and compel, like, not really. Yeah. Not a whole lot. Even against like shamans to get rid of fury, I would I would just chill Solemn down instead of Sat Willing him down. Speaking of, yeah. he has uh Sat Will at eighteen inches on a four plus. So Yeah, chill soul over Sat Will almost every time now. Yeah. Unless you need to compel something. If you need to move something, compel's good. Transfix, I'm not so sure that you'd you'd bother unless there's something that you know is really going to have a go at you over that turn like uh oh, if you had to transfix gilgalad or something like that and then charge him another Sauron. i could see it late game when uh maybe you're almost out of will and you just want to throw the one at it and there's a big hero still rocking around and you're just like i just want you to not do anything this turn so transfix is still yeah like, i could, I could see that use. yeah just going for the two plus because you know it's it's more than likely going to go off yeah whereas the chill soul is you know there's it's a 50 50 whether you're going to get it off but yeah definitely early game like chill soul just like harassing it's like it's 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 like it it functions um with the chill soul he functions like a just a bow in your army like in terms of like being able to harass your opponent like i could see you doing like an all shooting army with sauron and it doing yes. pretty freaking well mm, just because yeah. he just goes one wound a turn with chill soul the nice thing about it is that it doesn't matter about the defense at all it's a chill soul so it's 
just a wound. So this is the perfect thing to just go at leaders with. You just go straight. If you can see a leader, you can hit them and you can be threatening them with a wound every turn, which is just brilliant. It means the opponent has to get to you and stop you casting spells as soon as possible. Yep, no in the ways, no worrying about defense values, just a straight up wound on a 4 plus every turn. Yeah. Very nice. It's redonkulous. It That's should be. Word. Everything is as good as it should be, because this is the Lord of the Rings. The book was named after him. He should have the best spells. Yeah, he's meant to be the most powerful character in Middle-earth, you know, give or take a, a Balrog or a Smaug. So, you know, it's really not surprising that they've made him as good as he is. It's a good profile. It's very tempting. I love it. Nice, nice. Alright, so, uh, I mean, we're taking a step down now, but shall we look at the rest of the list? We've looked at the main character, let's look at the supporting actors. Alright, so, the Witch King of Angmar. We haven't talked about him in his, uh, new form yet, but, uh, damn, he, he got some nice upgrades. Uh, Holy crap, the Witch King of Angmar's in this list. He sure it's, is, yeah, he is. was kicking around back in the Second Age, I think. I did not realise he was in this list. Yeah, yeah, all the wraiths, well... I mean, like I knew, yeah, regular wraiths. Yeah, the old profile for the wraiths, the um, the budget wraiths. Budget wraiths are also in this. Wow, I thought it was just Sauron and Ox. No, no, no there's no. quite a bit in this oh. list actually. Oh, this changes everything. <laughs> it's you could actually Kylie do a has... Sauron and all wraith army with this list. Kylie has made a very bad miscalculation. Yes. I, I agree. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yep, definitely. Mistake of the year so far. What are we? We're less than yeah. four weeks no, in. I'll, I'll but this that. is the biggest I'll one. <laughs> okay. The Witch King. The Witch King. Uh, his profile has remained the same. His base profile. He yeah. is uh, Spirit, Ringwraith, Mordor, Angmar, Infantry, Hero. He's got a lot of keywords because he's a Ringwraith. Uh, he's got his heavy armor and he's got a sword. He's, he's basically the same. Now, his heroic actions. He's actually got one more heroic action than Sauron himself, which is odd, but there it is. Uh, he has heroic resolve, which Sauron doesn't have. Very interesting. And he also has heroic channeling. Heroic Strike, Heroic Strength, and Heroic Challenge. So his war gear options are Armored Felbeast at 70 points, uh, Regular Felbeast at 50, the Crown of Morgul. Now, okay, we got to talk about the Crown of Morgul. The Felbeasts have remained essentially the same, but the Crown of Morgul, wowie. Alright, it is a passive special rule. It still brings him up to three attacks base, which is amazing. It was already amazing at 30 points. It's actually decreased to 25. And not only that, now the Witch King of Angmar, when he's wearing the Crown of Morgul, can choose to re-roll one dice when casting or resisting spells. How good is that, Kylie? How good is it? This is how good it is. Out of every single piece of war gear item that you can get in the game, that you can purchase in the game, that is valued on a model, I think the Crown of Morgul is the best war gear item in the game, period. It's pretty much auto-take, isn't it? Yeah. Like, that's how I like, say it. 25 points for that, sign me up every time. Yeah. Like, it's not even a question. Yeah, definitely. Like, it, it's, it's, it's that good, and it's that well-priced, and it has... It, it, provides so much for the for the witch king it's like why why the hell wouldn't you take it yeah exactly and look uh, looking at everything you can buy for him i think it's the first thing you buy every time i think even a zero ten zero witch king is still better with the crown of morgul than with like three might points and two will agree actually it's almost doubling the amount of will you it is being offensive with because yep. of that reroll it, it's like it's not every time if you're, if you're throwing a bunch of dice 
it, it's not, but 25 points, I would pay that just for the reroll. That is huge. And it's on resist as well. So it's, it's a nightmare either way. And then yeah. just the bonus of having three attacks all the time. Like, even if it's on Fell Beast, chuck it on it. Like, it's a good, yeah. good, good crown. Like, yes, it's, definitely. It's it's insane. I can't stress how insane this like war gear item is. It's just I'm I, I'm I'm literally like speechless. Like I can't explain like how good it is. Like that's how good it is. I, I can, can't I can. find I, I've, run it, I've run the Witch King five times so far, and I've taken the crown every time, including on foot and on horse and and on fell beast. And yeah, amazing, amazing, amazing. Take it every single time. As Jeremy said, it, it like doubles your will effectively. Uh, well, not every time, but it, it gives you a ton of free will when you need it. So it, it's just amazing. Take it. Just like thinking about like casting your resist checks. You could just do some casting checks. Like your one die spells are just scary as because you can always reroll a failed attempt. And your resist checks, even if you successfully pass a resist check, you can just chuck a reroll on a rando dice and on a six you get that will point back as well. Dang, yeah. Oh. Not bad. Oh. No. Alright, alright. Moving yeah. on from good. the... It's really good. Moving on from the Crown of Morgul, we have Armoured Horse, which, it, look, most people will say, yeah, take a Fell Beast. I still think the Armoured Horse is a pretty good option. Uh, the Horse as well, regular Horse you can take. Uh, the Morgul Blade, which... Was the Morgul Blade always 10 points? I believe so, yes. Yes, okay, so... The Morgul Blade, for those who don't know, once per game, this model's controlling player may declare that they are using their Morgul Blade during the fight phase before rolling to wound. So beforehand, yep, that's important to know. If a model is using a Mogul Blade, they must direct all of their strikes against a single target. An enemy that suffers a wound from the Mogul Blade is automatically slain, regardless of the number of wounds on their profile. Heroes may use Fate to avoid these wounds, but if even a single wound is not saved, they are slain. If the model using the Mogul Blade is mounted, they must use the Rider's Attacks and Strength if using the Mongol Blade. So I think having talked about the crown and using it with a Fell Beast, if you're using the Mongol Blade as well, definitely, definitely take uh, the crown on Fell Beast because you're going to need those extra attacks. But yeah, the Mogul Blade, uh, it's been a staple of the Witch King for forever, I think. I think, did he? Did they have them right at the start? Yes, but it, it did different things in uh, the first and second edition. It was kind of like um, Mogul Poison is now. Um, the old Mogul Blade, um, the new Mogul Blade came in, I think it was the One Ring Hardback Rulebook. Correct me if I'm wrong, Jeremy. I'm not entirely sure, but the Mogul Blade was in the Fellowship one. I've got that still. It was still 10 points, Witch King only, but it did some poisonous thing that you keep rolling i think yeah nice yeah so, you, keep, you keep taking wounds throughout the game yeah, yeah yeah cool yeah very nice piece of war gear especially if you can uh work something into the list with him that can actually remove fate which fate there, there are a couple of things right there are a couple of things that do that uh in the game or in the army list well in the game just totally like overall uh, curse spiders other mogul blades other yeah yeah other mogul blades that's the way isn't it kylie only Not really need... in this list we don't have a whole lot no no so but that's a consideration if you're taking allies uh any takes way. a fate chill soul takes a fate yeah. And like, yes, yeah. just another thing as well with, with Mughal Blade and why it's such a, like a really useful tool to have in an army, even if, even if you have to drop a couple of walks for it, I still think it's worth taking just about any army you take with him simply for the fact that if you've got, say you've got the crown and you say you, you're, you're up against Galadriel, most people would think, oh, the Mughal Blade is useless against Galadriel. But if you go into her and do four wounds, that's it. She's dead. The Mughal Blade in a way can reduce the amount of wounds you need to inflict on a 
big scare here, like an Aragorn, a Galadriel, or a Boromir, by by two attacks, which can drastically increase your your chances of of killing them. Yeah, great point. In fact, I'd think it would be especially useful against uh, Galadriel, considering it gives you that option of preventing her from regenerating that fate, like just smack her in one yep. go, or any of the heroes in her list. All right, and the next, uh, so three special rules, or four special rules, I guess. Harbinger of Evil, which is bog standard, 12-inch range, negative one courage. Terror, of course, to make the best use of that. Uh, the Will of Evil, which I think think is under a different profile somewhere. I think it's under the ring race profile or it, no, it's in the uh, main, now, main rules run manual. Yeah. Oh, there you go. The so yeah. refer to the main rules manual, but that's essentially how uh, the ring rates interact with will. And finally, the might, will, and fate. You can buy three might, up to three might, between 0 and 10 will to go from between 10 and 20 and up to three fate points for the Witch King at five points a pop. So actually, you know, it's worth discussing that. What do you think, I, I know it depends on how many points you're playing and that sort of thing, but how often would you say you'd go max stats with the Witch King nowadays? I think you want to you wanna buy more will. I think at minimum you want to grab five more depending on how aggressive you want to be with him. Sure, even with the crown? Yeah, yeah, because I've, I've played a couple of rando games with um the Witch King recently and 15 will is as low as I'm willing to go. Okay. Even Fair that's enough. with the crown. Yes. Conversely, okay. I wouldn't go up to 20 because I feel like most games you're going to be sitting on six or seven will at the end of the game that yeah. you haven't had it to use or you're throwing away on a, a silly spell so i'm i would always take the three might i would think very careful about the will probably between 12 and 16 i would take and then the fate mm, two or three maybe okay cool yeah my, my thing i think my first purchases would be crown three might and a fate point and then i'd go from there i agree that 10 is probably not enough you're going to want more than 10 and i also agree that yeah 20 is probably too much well depending depending on how you're running him maybe on a fell beast i'd go up to 20 potentially maybe 18. i think with the uh with the fate it entirely depends on whether or not the witch king is your leader because if you're taking him in Angmar, for instance, you want all three fate because he's going to be your leader. In this kind of a list where you've got Sauron and, you know, he's he's more of a support character, then you probably don't need the three fate. You probably could rock around with one, maybe two. Yep, cool. Okay. So the Witch King's spells are very similar to Sauron's. We've got Drain Courage on a 2+, Transfix on a 3. These, these are all 12-inch range, by the way, except for Instill Fear, which is the standard. So Drain Courage 2+, Transfix 3+, Compel on a 4+, plus, uh, Instill Fear on a 4+, plus. your staff is broken at 12-inch range on a 4+, plus. so that's pretty cool. That's something that Sauron can't do. He can actually, uh, he can lock down wizards. So that's a, a really strong point in the Witch King's favor, I would say. Then we've got Black Dart with 12-inch range on a 5+. Plus. Interestingly, Black Dart has the possibility of doing multiple wounds in one turn, which Sauron, again, doesn't have for, from his spells. So that's a another interesting point, maybe something to consider. And also, with the crown, uh, the odds of getting that 5 plus are much better. Like, I think you, you can certainly, beforehand, you might roll 3 if you absolutely wanted to guarantee it. Now you can do that with 2, I think, so very nice uh, little buff to that. And then we have Sap Will on a 5 plus, so Sap Will of course copped a little bit of a nerf in this edition yeah, and and going on the sap will um one thing i i from our experience in articon and talking with jay was one of the reasons why they nerfed sap will was because they didn't like how the the ring rave channeled sap will offs would go and how you know a ring rave could just suddenly disappear so part of the way they've combated that is not so much nerfing the spell itself and what it does 
but nerfing how they cast it and how what how much will you need to throw at the spell to make it go off. Honestly, I would have been happy if they just got rid of Sapwill entirely. Uh, it always feels like kind of a... Like, the reason you use it is generally, I think, uh, either against enemy Ringwraith or Wizard, or when uh, your opponent has a model that actually uses will for some other purpose. So, for instance, uh, the Golden King. Golden King of Abracan, you might Sapwill. But otherwise, I, I'd rather just use something else and make your opponent make the decision like I, if they got rid of sap will suddenly you're going like right i'm gonna transfix the golden king keep him out of range and he has to make a decision to either uh resist it and get into range and use up his valuable will points or just uh just cop the transfix and hopefully make it up later i feel like sap will like it for one decisions. reason yep it's hard to cast it's especially spell now i think it's for getting rid of exhaustion spells it's for shamans it's for yeah. you're right okay. things that spend yeah. will for things like um the spider queen or um what's that little goblin that the scribe scribe the goblin scribe those sort of ones that spend will to do things i think yeah. they're the ones yeah. that you yeah precisely yeah yeah and i mean it's Sat Will's been in the game since its inception, and I, I, I would honestly feel a bit sad to see that spell go, because it does, it does have a place in the game, and I think with the changes to magic in that rolling a six off a flat six gives you your will back, um, coupled with the fact that it's harder to cast and doesn't take as much will off you now, off a, off a straight up cast, I think was really good design changes to make the spell have a place in the game without it being overbearing. Yep, great point. Yeah, it's definitely, I feel, a lot more balanced than it was before, or a lot... A lot less boring, I think, is is probably a better way of putting it. Agreed on that. Yeah. Uh, we've also got the wraiths there, but you're almost the same as the Witch King. They don't have all the Witch King special stuff. They have a maximum of two might and fate. They they can be budget as well, and they've they've just got the the armored fell beast, the fell beast, and the horse for options. Do you notice we lost a fell beast? Yeah. The, yeah uh, no, yes. No more horned fell beast. May the rest in peace. Mm. Do you reckon yeah, that was? I've converted one of those. Yeah. What what do you think about that, Kylie? Why do you reckon um, did that come up when you were talking with Jay overseas? I think part of the reason why horned fell beast disappeared was simply to allow other monsters in the game come back into the game. The horn fell base, like whenever I took a fell base, it got to the point where I was pretty much always buying a horn fell base just because how powerful that plus one strength was. If you've ever copped a horn fell base on the charge, it was it was brutal. Like it was killing eagles. You can suddenly drop, you know, some of the big scary monsters that you couldn't drop before simply because you didn't have the strength to knock them down. It, it allows you to crush defense seven. It, honestly, I feel like it was a good choice getting rid of them because it meant eagles now have a really good place, especially in the game especially in a straight up matchup against uh ring rapes and yeah now the ring rapes have to kind of rely on their spells and positioning a bit better now to get the most out of the foul beast rather than just being obnoxious and just charge straight forward yeah i agree i, I think the thing that annoyed or well, not annoyed but bothered me a little bit about it was that uh you know being able to pick up and hurl stuff that was strength six which was kind of odd i yeah i didn't like that it didn't it doesn't make a whole lot of sense uh for a foul beast to be hurling stuff around anyway like unless you think it as a sort of picking up and dropping it somewhere but uh yeah the strength seven yeah. was a little bit it just made things a little bit weird and yeah anyway one thing that the opposite, we, the opposite. hurl that's the dumb thing hurl and the, the just say monsters can't knock down monsters done yeah no fair, that's a good fix anyway i it is what it is really because really? i thought that the changes to hurl were were, pr were pretty spot on in, in the way that they've done it like it's very narrow it's very predictable where hurls are going to go now and they don't go as far and yeah 
Yeah, yeah I, like, I think it's yeah. more like strength seems a little bit arbitrary at times because like, and, and it's for game balance purposes. But if you look at say Gulivar, can you imagine Gulivar picking up a, a mortal troll chieftain and throwing them? Dude, the guy has wings. Sure. Yeah, sure. I, I can imagine. Little it. tiny arms. Tiny little arms, spindly. I yeah, I don't know. Have you I, seen his muscles? He he is ripped okay. as hell. No, is, is he? He's hella ripped. Okay. No, no, no. That's another. That's another conversation, Gulliver. We'll yeah. leave that for another episode. It, that was just yeah, just as an example. Anyway, there's one thing we've glossed over a little bit here, and that is that ring race can actually heroic march. You stole the words right <laughs> out of my mouth. Damn I knew I'd beat you there. <laughs> uh, that was actually one mm. thing that I think is the redeeming quality for budget race is they can march yeah your named ones can't none of the named rates can march and i think i think the fact that these guys still have march is is a a really good selling point for them now how cool is march in this edition of the rules compared to the last one it's so much it's better. so good yeah. it makes so many like aside from the fact that it just makes captains viable period yeah it's got a really nice little niche i love it i love it yep absolutely they've done a really good job with this rules rule set oh march was just as good in the old one but we had so many stupid scenarios that were just starting contact that it just didn't get used now that we've got enough scenarios that you start 24 inch away again you're actually seeing it being used that's the main difference yeah yeah well i mean and obviously the fact that not as many things can can take it so it's actually like giving purpose to some models that may not have been taken otherwise which i just think is really cool other than that the ring race basically have all the same special rules as the witch king they can't take as much will or might or fate i think jeremy already mentioned that and they also have one of the nine there can only be a maximum of nine Ringwraith models of any combination, including Ringwraiths, Nazgul of Dog or Jewel, or any of the named Ringwraiths in your force. Interestingly, that doesn't say that, like, you can't take nine basic Wraiths as opposed to eight and the Witch King. I, I don't know if that's just an oversight or if, like, yeah, you're going to take the Witch King anyway if you're taking nine Ringwraiths, to be honest. Yeah, well, just just remember as well that that does include the, the Nazgul of Dog or Yeah, yeah, it's all varieties of... <laughs> of wraith yeah of the nine what i'm so, saying is that there, there would be in very corner case scenarios and you know how i love my corner case ooh, scenarios corner case. yeah with the named wraiths and the nazgul of dogador there could be instances where you don't particularly actually want the, the witch king okay all right yeah mind you this is like talking like a thousand point all hero type yeah this thing is gonna, going on here this is gonna come up one in a million games so yeah, so anyway, yeah, this only is... nine ring rates, so that's the important the takeaway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the corner case we're talking, it, it, it's not it's not so much where we're sitting in a cube with four with eight corner cases, where we're sitting in this weird like dodecahedron type thing going on, and it's one of the many corners. Yes, that's what's happening. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah. the spells. Let's move happening. on. Yep. The spells for the rates. Uh, the only difference between them and the Witch King is they don't have your staff is broken, and also it is slightly harder for them to cast Instill Fear. They cast it on a 5+, plus rather than a 4+, plus, as the Witch King can. So yeah, yeah um... And they also have the Sap Will now. Yeah, so, uh, you know, uh, all the things that we've said about the Witch King spells effectively apply to the ring rates. Uh, yeah, so yeah. I think that's all there is to say about them. Shall we move on to the next profile, which is... A, uh, a controversial one on the Green Dragon, one that we've discussed many times. It uh, might be controversial, but she is my one of my favorite models. One of them. It's it's a toss up between her and Gulliver. She is a beauty. The most overpowered sure. models are always the best. Yes, we know that, Kylie. But she's. Uh, I was playing her back when she wasn't cool. Uh, I think you had even before you started playing. I remember my brother winning tournaments taking Shelob. So yes, it's been a model. Yeah. 
I remember being on the receiving people. end of your brother playing Sheila at tournaments. It was not a fun time. No, no so it's been just as powerful. So Shelob, uh interestingly, this is the first uh, independent hero that I've noticed around, so she definitely can't lead troops. She's 90 points, uh, spider, mortal, monster, infantry, hero. So the old monster infantry combination. The, the stats are pretty much the same, but they've been forever. Move 10, fight 7, with a 6 plus shoot, which you're probably not going to use. Strength 7, defense 7, attacks 1, wound 6, courage 4, and the 6 will, which that, that's been one of the sources of her getting so much better over the time, as well as that monster characteristic. So she's she's one that's... She stayed at 90 points for the whole game for as long as we can remember, and she's one that just keeps getting better. So uh, she's she's really good at the moment. Yeah, so her special rules have had a little bit of a tweak. So she's got Monstrous Charge, which is basically just rep replacing her old Pounce special rule. Uh, Survival Instinct, which uh, notably got nerfed in this edition, you do have to take the courage check for her being wounded every time she takes a wound now. So the will is going to be a lot more important and she's pretty much, you know, she, it's not like she's going to um, pass basically all, all the tests now. There is a chance that she could run away. Um, she has a swift movement, which is the spider move. So moving over, up and down, all sorts of things. She has the terror, the venom, which is the reroll, all failed uh, wound rolls. And she has a new special rule called caught in a web. Instead of striking as normal, Shelob can opt to direct a single strike at one model involved in the fight. If this, mo this model may not be a monster. The chosen model suffers one strength seven hit. If the model is wounded, the wound, and the wound is not prevented by fate, this model is treated as being under the effects of the paralyzed magical power. Ooh, paralysis. I love it. Yeah, it, it is a really, a, I really love the fact that they put this special rule in. It doesn't actually do anything for her offensively because if you charge with her, you're always going to take the two attacks. You're always going to, you know, roll the four dice and just try and straight up, straight up kill them. But the court in the web means that if someone goes and charges you and you manage to roll that five or six and win the combat from out of nowhere, there's a chance now you can just pop them with one wound and just put them on their butts for the rest of the game. Yeah. Yes, very nice, very nice. Uh, it's surprise. well, maybe not surprising, but uh, a little bit baffling that uh, it's taken this long for her to get a paralysis rule of some description, so makes sense to me. Now, uh, 90 points, I think that's the sticking point. I think that's where we go, yeah, as Jeremy said, she's been 90 points this entire time and has gotten better every single time. How many points would you pay for Shelob? 50. Wow. I probably wouldn't go as much as Jeremy on the 150, probably around 140 or 130. Damn, I was thinking 120. Okay, all right, interesting. But, I mean, that's still at least, we would at least play 30 points more for what we got. And another really cool thing, her war gear is a large venomous fangs, which means she can't be shattered. Yeah, it has to be a, um, it can't be a natural feature of the, the model. Is that right? Is that how yeah. shatter works now? Yeah, it has to be a weapon. You cannot say shatter an eagle's claws or a wag's teeth okay cool one thing i really don't like about her and this is this is going against her is that she still is able to use the will to help out with the um the survival instinct thing which i don't think should be the case i think having six will that's that was there originally for resistance to magic and when they said you can start using the will it guarantees you're gonna pass one or two courage tests which basically gives her extra wounds she used to be a model that frodo and sam could get lucky 
do a wound to her and she would run away. She was a bit cowardly. Now she's like one of the bravest models in the game. And I, I really, everything else I don't mind, but that's the thing that's a sticking point for me. I don't like that for a cowardly spider that should be pouncing, killing a model, running back, all that sort of stuff. She's one of the bravest models in the game. Yeah, it's interesting that from a scenario's perspective, compared to a pitch battle perspective because I absolutely would not take her at 90 points if she was Courage 4 and could potentially flee from a single wound. Like, I, I just wouldn't risk that, I think. So it's really the six will points that makes her viable at 90, I think. Well, I mean, when she first came out, obviously it was that way, wasn't it? And you were saying that people had success And she was her. dominant. She yeah. was oh, absolutely okay. dominant. Yeah, because yeah. you got defense seven and you got two attacks on the charge and you got fight seven. Yep, like, yep, true. Like, if you can't keep that safe, what are you doing wrong? True, true. Well, uh, defense seven isn't, uh, and fight seven aren't what they used to be, but that is that is definitely a good point. Yeah. And it's also a spider. You can keep her hidden. Yes, with yeah. her movement, you can definitely... Oh, I, I agree with Jeremy's point to a point, but I think with how much, you know, the game has changed, particularly since, you know, the old Return of the King rulebook, which is in upwards of 10 years old now, I think the fact that she can use Will on Wound in, in a points match setting, not in a scenario setting, because that's the shit's crazy, but in a points match setting, I think she needs the Will, because there are so many things that can quite effortlessly go into her or hamstring her and, and take her off the table. A, a single ring wraith still to this day will will hard counter a shield yep. 90 point model most 90 point models can be taken off by a single thing pretty easily like this is this is an absolute value model i think i think the points are wrong and that rule look if that rules a scenario specific rule that's fine but in terms of this list we're, we're going from the barrier duel point of view amazing value shelob is fantastic if you if you take shelob you're pretty much guaranteeing wins mm, big call fight seven that's super mobile that can do all kinds of things there's not a lot that strikes now or not as much just being able to move fight seven around and putting it into fights and things is phenomenal yep yeah no doubt uh she's definitely very powerful she has gotten more and more powerful and may continue to get more powerful who knows yeah, at this stage... Oh, the one thing we missed, I don't think we discussed this. Lone Hunter, she can't be taken as part of another model's warband. So there, there's one... I think one. I mentioned that at the very Did start. You? Okay, yeah. sure. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Anyway, yeah. Would have been cool to have her as, as Sauron's pet, but... I mean, you can still take her as Sauron's pet. That's fine. Just throw her into the army list. But yeah, I, I don't know. I, I still feel like she's not too unbalanced. I do understand from the scenario, but you can, you can fix the scenario. You can just sort of even uh, remove the ability to use Will for survival instinct in that scenario and it's essentially fixed i would have thought i think she's an absolute value for 90 points she yeah. should be at least more than a, a mortal troll yeah yeah definitely definitely agree with that yeah no as, as i said I, I agree with jeremy to a point she's she's crazy good like me and jeremy have both won tournaments with her. i mean that yeah that okay sums her up. so all right we've talked about the 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 good the bad and the ugly i think so far so let's get into some uh some orcs Let's get into I say the we've talked about the Ungolian so far. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. It's good uh, to bad in the Ungolian. Orc captains, Kylie and Jeremy. Orc captains. They are exactly the same. Uh, have they changed? They have March. They're captains. There is no yeah. real difference in, there. In the words, in the, in the words of my good friend Jacob, captains aren't what they used to be, but damn, they sure make the trains run on time. <laughs> 
Captains be And captains. yes, I am going to make that jerk every time we talk about a captain profile. Mm -hmm. These these are very tempting because they've got your march. They've got good war gear, war gear options. You can put them on a wag. So even if they're leading infantry, just throwing them on the wag is really tempting. That's one of the better mounts in the game. You can give them a shield, which is handy from the five to six. And an orc bow as well, which honestly you probably don't bother with. A, a wag riding orc captain or just an orc captain on foot is good Good value, 40 points, 45 points, 55 points, and it does everything you want out of a captain. It's it's the cheapo captains. Good. It's good yep. stuff. And it's nice that they can also pick up a pick for free, uh, unlike a lot of other models in the game now. So that's actually, uh, I would say, a point in their favor. Yes. Agreed. Strength, strength 5 is always nice. Yep. Uh, okay. Agreed. Agreed with that as well. Yep. So st straight on, I reckon. So we're going into the Orc Shamans. Now, Shamans, I think overall, this is the first Shaman we've discussed, They've copped a little bit of a hit this time around, which I think is fair because they were quite dominant last time and they were almost like used in a no-brainer kind of way. They were, you drop them on the table, you channel, you get to five plus saves and you just throw them right in the middle behind your lines and just go from there. Nowadays, a little bit different. Uh, their profile remains the same. They still have one might, three will, one fate. They still have the same spells, so six inch range, for Mordor Orcs, only Mordor Orcs, which is a little bit of a change, on a 3+, and the transfix, the, the Hail Mary transfix 12-inch 5+, just in case. Uh, they got the Heroic Channel, they can take a Wag, they've got a Spear, yeah, basically the same, but they are minor heroes, so they can only take six troops with them, which is exactly what you don't want from your Shamans. Usually, I think the Shamans would have the largest warbands because they need the most protection. And also, uh, Fury, no long, uh, regular Fury, in fact, no longer gives you a save at all. It only gives you the courage, which, if you listen to a podcast from a long time ago, we discussed courage being the best part about it. But I'm sure this will really hit hard, because when you channel it, you only get the 6-plus saves, as you did with the old regular Fury. No more 5-plus saves. And I think that's been taken out. A lot of things that had 5-plus saves, that's gone now. It's They're very special cases now, like Malbeth. So... Yeah, I, I think Shaman's copped quite a bit of a nerf in this one. I think the same points. I think 50 was what they were before. Maybe 45, were they? No, 50. I 50. Think, yeah, okay. I'm pretty sure they were. Yeah, so they remain the same points. And yeah, copped a little bit of a nerf. So what do you guys think? Because like, I look at a Shaman now and go, nah, not really. I don't know. Only if I really need the courage. did that in the old edition, actually. My theory of Shamans was that it's it, the courage is amazing straight out. But when you need it against, say, an all-terror army... That's when they have a sap will. So you don't get to use it. So my thought was, like, I never was a big fan of the save, the six plus or five plus saves. It's for the cost of an orc captain. I would rather take the orc captain. But I think it's still the same. If you've got a real need for auto pass courage, you take it. Otherwise, yeah, it's 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 definitely not an auto take. It's one that you you think about. And I don't know that in this list you're really going to bother too much with it. There's too many other good heroes to take. In this list, you wouldn't need it. In in a mortal list, hundred percent, I would I would think orc shamans would be on 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 your do I get list because the 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 auto pass has and always will be a very like the shamans will always be a good staple of you know your Isengard you know or your mortal or your goblin list like your your pure list. But you know when when you're rocking around when you start throwing you know men and 
wizards and giant living dark lords. The Fury's kind of meh. Yeah, I think the agreed. The times when I've really felt like I needed it was actually against elves. It's when you have the elves with the aura of dismay or maybe a, a Radagast or something like that, when it can be really irritating. They wouldn't have anything to really prevent a shaman from doing what it does, so a shaman would be amazing in that situation, I would think. Just, just to kind of, you know, go into bat for the shaman here. One thing I think a lot of pay- players are kind of sometimes forgetting about the shaman is the fact that you can basically daisy chain up Stamfasts. Because if you have someone like, particularly in the goblin list with uh, Durbers, if you had Durbers within six inches of a shaman, suddenly you have this massive like 30 inch bubble of auto pass courage, which is insane because you can just keep daisy chaining up your, your Stamfasts and make sure your army doesn't run away. And I think the fact that that is still a very big staple, especially because there are a lot of scenarios that don't end until a quarter, I think players should be very conscientious when they give up the shaman simply for the fact that it can mean you stay in the game uh, once you're broken. I agree with that, Kylie. I think if you take an orc-focused army, like where 90% of your models are orcs, and the orcs are relied on upon to do the work, I think you absolutely take a shaman. But this list is not one where the orcs are expected to do the work. Sauron's doing the work. The, the ring rapes, the shilob, the other stuff we're going to go into, they're all doing the work. The orcs are there to fill in space and build up your numbers. I don't know that the shaman is the option in this list, but I think there will be a where it's an absolute take. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I, and I think the the thing that I find most uh, interesting about it is the fact that they are minor heroes now. It makes sense that they would be minor heroes sort of just thinking about them as these dudes running around in the army just going crazy. But, like, from a game perspective, I find you can actually, like, try to write a list, fill up their warband with the six models, and then go, I've got, like, 40 points left over, I can't get any more troops, and I can't really make another warband here. And it can actually can be a bit difficult to write with i think i think the minor hero thing is the worst the worst change for them i don't think the fury change is all that bad uh it will put some people off but fury still has its place the minor hero that that's tough honestly the minor hero i don't mind too much yes you lose the bodyguard potential but in the scenarios where you come on randomly, you can use a big hero like Gothmog, or even just your captains to make sure that you can get some support around your Orc Shaman. And speaking of your Gothmogs and your bigger heroes, they are now, you know, heroes of Valor, hero of Legends, so they kind of offset the minor hero nerf to, to the Shamans, because you can just put those models that you would have put in the Shamans warband into a warband with, you know, a Gothmog or a, or a Ringwraith. Yeah, that's a great point. Yep, no doubt. All right, who wants to go with Orc Taskmasters? Taskmasters in general have had a little bit of a nerf. Uh, well, actually, no, a, bit, a big bit of a nerf. Uh, for starters, they're exactly the same stats before, except for the following. They now only have one might instead of two. And in particular, their Whip of Masters special only affects heroic actions of the move, march, and shoot variety. It means that you can't now, you know, keep getting free might off strikes and channels and things like that. So... Your Orc Taskmaster is literally that. He's a Taskmaster to get your army into position. Love this. Love this change so much. No longer are we going to have three Orcs whipping Sauron while he channels spells. This is good. Good stuff. Agreed with Jeremy. A very good change all overall. Um, he still has a place in, in, in the game in that 
you can give your army, you know, free heroic marches, shoots, and moves, which I think is very useful, especially with the two armies that get it, which is, you know, the Mordor varieties and the Harad varieties. And I think the fact that these are the armies that still have it and will still be able to use an Orc Taskmaster effectively is, I think, very, very important. Yeah, it was it was pretty cheesy before, wasn't it, with the channeled, um, channeled chill souls and that sort of thing. Of course, chill soul changed too, but... Yeah, there were there were some interesting things being done with it. Personally, I had a uh, triple Hasharan list with a Taskmaster, and yeah, got a lot of free strikes, free combats. So it was very nice. Can't do that anymore, sadly. But uh, you know, it's a fair change. It was kind of silly the way it was done before. Yeah, but just just on the the last three models that we've we've uh, talked about as well, the Orc Taskmaster, the Orc Shaman, and the Orc Captain. To anyone that's thinking of like starting up a just basic army, getting your hands on these three models and then you know a block of 24 orcs is a really fantastic place to start your hobby because it will just be a reliable block that you can expect to get into combat when it needs to stick around towards the end game and fight its way out of trouble point Kylie, and you can build fun things in around that if you've got that as your core for your army you can add in a shelob a mortal troll a ring wraith whatever else you want you've got enough to do things so that you're right that is a good flexible core and it's relatively affordable for a bunch of heroes and and the orcs they they they're hard to move 24 orcs with hero support is not an easy thing to get rid of yeah and that's just under 300 points there i think if you were wondering if you take a couple of wags you get pretty much right on 300 so pretty cool yeah yeah great yeah. starting um, point yeah particularly with harad as well you know captain taskmasters uh hasher banner great place to start and look really cool to have a taskmaster and a shaman and a captain they do like visually they really make your orcs stand out so they're they're choices that that in an orc horde or an orc focused arm you definitely take you're probably not going to get the room for all of them if you start taking more of the the finessey stuff or the the really powerful stuff but they're definitely good options none of them are terrible options and they're ones that you will see at times now there was a reason why i particularly chose these three models and not say the last four models because the next model we have on our list is the orc drummer he's 30 points um and basically he kind of gives your army a pre-march at the start of any turn you can use the war drum to sound the advance and all the orcs within 12 inches of him get to move an extra three inches so a bit of a much of a muchness it's nice helpful um i can see you putting this in, in sauron's warband in this list because 30 points is not a huge amount and to be able to have those orcs even if sauron's a step or two behind you don't really care that much because he's still chill souling from far away if they need to get to say the center or whatever it's really good to not have to spend his might I, I actually really like the drummer and i think it's more useful now that you're often sending up 24 inches away with pretty fragile orcs agreed uh but i do the reason why i left him out of the previous three kind of models that to start a core um, is the fact that, you know, an orc drummer is still five models and he doesn't add any combat ability to your army. He just adds uh, the extra mobility. And if you're getting free marches off a Taskmaster, I mean, take your pick of which one you want to throw in there, I guess. Yeah, I think he really True. makes the uh, it, it, the Taskmaster more about the moves rather than the marches, which is, you know, it's, it's, it is what it is. If you're going to throw him in there, you do have to keep in mind things like taking some of the other models that we're about to get to that aren't orcs that yeah will be a step behind sauron doesn't as jeremy said doesn't mind too much but some of the other stuff would and we'll we'll discuss those in a moment 
biggest advantage is you know which warband he's going to be with. So if you have to get one of those random deployment ones, you can put him with your named orc hero or Sauron or whatever and know he's going to be there. He doesn't flip around on his own, whereas the Taskmaster potentially does. You might have them split up. So it, that's an option that's it's worth considering. Yep, for sure. Uh, so we'll jump into some troops next. I think rolling on with what we've got. Yeah, so let's, we've... let's clear out the orcs. Let's finish off with some orc warriors. Yeah, so the orc warrior, exactly the same as they used to be. No change whatsoever. The bread and butter of any Baradur, Mortar army, Angmar army. They're just, they're just solid. They're just, they do their job and they do their job pretty well. Yep, I, I'd say there's only really one important point here and that is that you can take a sword or a pick. So much like the captains, they have that option and, and the pick is very handy for when you need a little bit of extra strength. Really disappointed they don't have a flail option because I don't think that's worth a point anytime. And they're also the mace because there was ones that came with maces, the original metal ones. Once again, I don't think it's particularly better than a pick. And I, I wish that that was the advantage of the orcs is that you got to choose their weapons. So yeah, actually, I, great point. The old metal ones had everything. Yeah, pretty much. Hmm. So I'm, I'm as disappointed as you are, Jeremy, in this in this uh, fact. I have my flail orc and I have to pay an extra points for him. So he's a seven point orc flail and shield. And that one point upgrade makes him worse. Yeah. Side note, when you purchase a two-handed weapon, you can choose what the two-handed weapon is because it says two-handed weapon, not two-handed pick or two-handed sword or two-handed whatever. Same two-handed flail. Yeah. Or a two-handed hammer, if you feel so inclined. Yeah, good point. It's, it's just a it. generic weapon, so that's cool. Yeah. So next we have the Orc Tracker. Pretty much does the same as in the previous edition with the um, one plus to their shoot value being uh, shoot four instead of shoot five. Uh, but one interesting change they've made now is that their WAG upgrade is now seven points rather than six. Yeah, and I think this is good because before there was absolutely no reason to take, well, not much of a reason to take the WAG riders with bow. Uh, now yeah. at least you've got that, the trade-off is the defense for the shoot value, I think. Is that the only difference? So, I yeah, mean, yeah, I, you know, at least it's something. Before there was really no reason at all not to take the, because they were two point, uh, a point cheaper and, or maybe even two points cheaper, was it? Yeah, so. Yeah, um, yeah, back. Back in the old edition, it was two points cheaper. Yep, yep. All right, makes sense to me. Uh, yeah, and they haven't changed at all. Trackers are a decent option. They give you some shooting. If you keep them safe, they're okay. But they're nothing to write home about. So the Warg Riders, uh, as we just said, they're 11 points base now, which I think is down one point. They got the Armor, Sword, and Warg. Profile remains the same. They are a nice cavalry unit because of that strength for buff that the Warg gives them and the fact that the Warg can stick around. So they've always been a, a staple in Mordor lists and and Isengard lists as well, but yeah, Baradur we're talking about though, and they're a nice little cavalry option. That gives uh, three... It's just a staple. Yes, it is, isn't it, really? A it nice, just... cheap, light cavalry. And the throwing speed is a real choice now, because you can still hit on the 5+, plus, and you can use your... Th uh, it's only one point, the throwing speed. Why wouldn't so... you take him? Every, every Wargrader with shield I, I would take, I would take with the throwing spear, just because you get one one kill with the throwing spear, they've made the points back. Yep, and you keep them on foot now as well. Yeah. No, no problems. I, I would definitely take them. I was taking them before with Rohan hitting on fives on the charge anyway. So, yeah, why wouldn't you? And the 8-inch range. Eed. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and they can also take a banner along with the uh, the bows or the shields. And a banner on a on a cavalry unit can be good because, like, gives you that little bit of extra range. So I don't mind it. It's not a bad option. I just like it because the uh, banner can keep up with the cavalry, who are the models you generally want the banner reroll with. Yeah. 
Yep, absolutely. So we had another race, the Black Numenorians, and this is really interesting because they have a thematic connection to Sauron. They look very similar. The, the armor's quite like his armor, so I definitely think they're an option that you'd consider. They also synergize quite well with him because the main thing about the, all the Black Numenorian types is that they come with terror built in, and the ancient evil of Sauron helps you get more out of that. So you've got your Black Numenorian Marshal, which is a combat hero, Fight 5, which is fantastic for an evil hero, Strength 4, Defense 7, 2 attacks, 2 wounds, Courage 5. Courage 5 is fantastic. And then you just 2 1 1 in terms of Might Will Fate. He's got the March, very useful. And he's got some good options as well Armored Horse, Lance. And then you can give him a two handed weapon and replace a shield if you want. You might consider that if you're on foot. I'm not so sure about that one. But I, I love a cavalry mounted Black Numenorian Marshal. It's a good buy. Yeah, fantastic. Much like the Numenorean captain that we discussed in the last podcast, uh, just just a really good, strong-hitting option. And as you said, the t- terror is great. Terror should never be underestimated because in, in the right situation, it, it can be an absolute game-changer. So, yeah, fantastic combat model. Uh, and has the march he- as well, which, as we discussed, is interesting. Yes, uh, the Black Numenorians, uh, once again, good value at nine points. You've got your horn and banner options, which are good options. No spears, they come with all the same weapons, sword and shield. They cause terror. Defense six is worth noting, and also the courage four, fight four. They're, they're really reliable infantry. They're hard to move, and you don't always get to charge them. Yep, a front line of black numbs backed up by some orc spears. Nothing wrong with that. Very nice little shield wall. Mm, tough to move. Yes. And then you've got the Morgul Knights, which... Our little hidden gem. They're basically the cavalry version of the Black Numenorians, so they've all got different names. And you've got Warhound banner options as well, but these ones are for 18 points. You get a sword, lance, shield, an armored horse, and your heavy armor built in. They are really good heavy cavalry. Uh, it's just one thing I don't understand is why they made two different profiles when they're like... They went out of their way in the Dalamroth list to merge the the knight profile on foot and the knight profile on horse into one profile, and they haven't done the same here. I think they just like the name yeah. Morgul Knight. I think that was all there was yeah, to it. Yeah, it's a nice name. Yeah. yeah. I can see that. Yeah, because uh, obviously you could have literally given them the option for armored horse and lance for like, uh, what is it, eight points and one point, and there it would be, you know? Mm. True. True. That's anyway. the race of Black Numenorians. Yep. Yep. Then you got trolls. Oh, trolls. Two trolls. Yes. The Chieftain and the Mortar Troll. Yes, so the Mortar Troll Chief, uh, his profile remains exactly the same as in the last edition. He is a Hero of Fortitude, so he's getting those 12 warriors into his army. And look, he's a beast, and he's always been a beast. But importantly, he's retained Heroic Strike from the last edition, which is uh, massive for him. Doesn't doesn't have any of the, the, the march or anything like that, which I thought he might get, because they talked... I remember... Yeah, it's even gotten the fluff here. Trolls are not usually intelligent creatures, yet there are some within the service of Sauron that have grasped some concept of cunning and crude tactics. I guess crude, so not quite march-worthy. But uh, yeah, they've got the heavy armor and just a regular sword. They've got Heroic Strike, Heroic Strength. Terra and their throw stones has a range of 12 inches and a strength of 8. These guys, if you really want a heavy hitter, these are your go-to, I think. Yeah, they're good. They've, they've always been good. They're just a good rock to put in an army that just isn't gonna move very easily, and the fact that they still have strike means that big heroes like, you know, your Aragorn, your Boromirs, are, are still scared of them, and what more do you want out of a troll? Like, yeah. Seriously. And, like, and they're bloody tough to kill, too, so you wouldn't even mind taking one as your leader, depending on your list. The only problem is that they're tiny models, especially compared to the new Gundabad trolls, so 
they don't look as intimidating as they used to be, but they're, they're a good model. Yeah, they're still a lot heavier, though, so there's that. When you pick them up, you know they're a Mortal <laughs> Troll Chief. Unless it's fine cast, of course. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and lastly, we've got the, the regular old Mordor Troll. 40 points cheaper than the Chief. Obviously doesn't have the heroic stats. Uh, drops a defense. And can either have a hand and a half sword, hand and a half club, or hand and a half hammer. There's... Okay, this this has bothered me since I read first read the book. Uh, listeners, just gather around. The cave troll, and we're going to get to this in a later episode, but right now, the cave troll has burly and the option for a hand and a half hammer. The mortar troll doesn't have burly, but still has options for hand and a half weapons. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I don't know. I think someone gave me an idea for why that might be a game balance issue. I can't remember why, but it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Anyway, that's just my little rant. I Whatever. Mortal Trolls, they're still great. They still do good things. And you've got the option for a war drum as well. So for the, for the mortal list, not just the orcs. So this is a, a tempting option as well if you've got a big army. Yeah, particularly though, it's mortal, which means it affects, you know, your other trolls. It affects your ring raves. It affects your big, bad, scary Sauron. There's nothing in this list that it doesn't affect, which, you know, is is a pretty big deal. Yep, and it costs exactly the same Except as the orc drummer. Does, notably too, they got a... Notably too, they now have Courage uh, 4 instead of 3. Oh, oh wow. Yeah. Didn't spot that. Wow, Fun okay. fact for the day. Cool, cool. Cool. Still would rather they had Burley, but okay, it is what it is. Yep, Don't and they <laughs> never. <They're not> <laughs> uh, and they also have Terra and Throw Stones, the same as the Chieftain. Uh, moving right along, the last thing we need to discuss in the list is the siege weapons. So the first siege weapon we have here is the Mordor Siege Bow. Now I haven't really looked into this one. Have you, Kylie? I actually played a game with uh, one of these a Great. while back. Tell us all about yeah, it. Yeah, and then it reveals. It's quite nice having them in their own warband. Yep. And I, th I think that pretty much sums them up. Mordor, the problem with war, uh, war machines before was they had to be put in a warband, which meant they were usually closer to the fighting than you wanted them to be. But now you can perch them in a defensive terrain feature, stick them on a hill, put them out to the side, put them in a good fire corridor. You can do all sorts of fun stuff with them. They now have the Veteran, which means they get a, a point of might in there. And they're just really good area denial. They're actually worth their points now, believe it or not. True, I agree with that. But the, the deployment is a little bit restrictive. If you have to put them in the back six inches, sometimes you end up basically out of the game. It depends. If you're an army that uh, is going to sit back a little bit, I think they're a very good choice. If you're going to run in forward in combat as soon as possible, you're probably not going to get a whole lot out of them in this Barador list. Yeah, one thing I've found so far from Siege Engines is I don't think you want to take one. I, I think you'll often want to take two or even three to make them worthwhile and really make it the focus of the army. I, I actually didn't even realize much of what this thing does, but the uh, the piercing shot is fantastic. Being able to fling them back D6 inches, just denial of a, of a captain maybe from the front lines and just push stuff back. Uh, only scatters three inches, so it's pretty accurate. Uh, if something's on its own, obviously, you can target it pretty easily. Yeah, just, just pretty good. Strong, hits pretty hard. Not bad. One of the best things about it is they tend to mess with the enemy's formations. Like they don't necessarily want to rank up too much then if they know that there's going to be a piercing shot that goes through them. So they might spread out a bit more, which might help you. Whereas the, the catapults, well, catapult does a similar as well. People tend to spread out when there's a catapult there. So if you're, especially you're an army that wants to pick on little bits at a time, it's nice to have that option to split people up. Uh, they're definitely an option, but I once again, it's hard in this list when you've got Sauron because he's taking up a whole lot. The nice thing about Sauron is he doesn't mind being at range. So these guys can be... A good option taking two siege bows 
a horde of orcs and Sauron gives you some firepower that actually might draw people towards you. Yeah, definitely. And uh, another piece of firepower that you can add to that is the Mordor War Catapult. So this has uh, gone up a few points, but now the troll is actually free. So it's 160 points now. You get three orcs, and obviously a siege veteran is one of those, and you automatically get the troll. So that's fantastic. The troll has the... Uh, I think it still has the quick reload or whatever it is, so you get a couple of shots or something. Is that true? Yeah, it's in the actual uh, siege rules of the of the main rules manual. Yeah, nice, nice. So you've got the it, it volley fires, so you don't have like in the ways and that sort of thing. If it scores a hit against a battlefield target, all models within two inches suffer a strength five hit. Although that one doesn't kill them outright, but that's fine. That's just some extra hits in there. If you do hit something, of course, and you cause a wound, it's dead. It's flattened. It is gone. Depending on, oh well, unless it's a uh, a Balrog or a, a Mumak or a Smaug or something like that. But yeah, most things just gonna drop to it. It's or a Sauron. Or, or a Sauron, in fact. Is that right? I thought it was 10 wounds. I thought that was the way it worked. Or defense 10. Oh, okay, there you go. How many wounds would it do to Sauron then? Uh, I believe it does three. Three. Okay, cool, cool. I think it's half his profile. Yeah, it's half, half his wounds. Yes, yeah. I just wasn't sure whether it was Should rounding up or down. Three. Okay, there you go. And uh, really good at breaking walls. The controlling player can roll two dice and pick the highest wound walls. Uh, or siege targets in general. And it's got the free troll. So, not bad. It's just a... That's just a plain old... Oh, that's interesting. The Mordor troll that comes with the catapult has one less courage than the regular Mordor troll. So they take the, the wimpiest trolls and put them with the catapults. Sounds fair. Makes sense to me. Yeah, no, I can yeah, see that. Yeah, copy and paste error. Yeah. You reckon? Actually, it Jeremy's could be. probably right, yeah. yeah. It's probably I, a copy and paste error. I just like the idea of the wimpy trolls. The wimpy trolls, they're like, you guys won't fight? All right, fine, load these catapults then. I think you that... Even if you're naked. If you... <laughs> yeah, that's it. They wouldn't put the armor on. That was why. They're just like, why won't you put on the armor? Fine, go load some catapults then. Just do something. They're useful, still the please. same defense. So their armors actually does nothing at all. Yeah, they should just no rip sense. it off. <laughs> Why are they wearing armor? Oh, no. Anyway, that is the Barad Duel list, and we'll be right back with our next segment just after this. Here we go. We're not going to keep it secret this time. We're going to talk about what you can do with the Barad Duel list. And I think we're definitely going to be focusing on Sauron. Because Sauron is the primary reason that you're going to go with this list. So how would you design your list, Jeremy, with Sauron as the focus? Uh, I'm trying to decide if I want to do a stay back Sauron and basically like snipe chill souls while the enemy dances around and, and almost a, an avoidance list, like making the game go for as long as possible and holding back, because I probably don't have a huge amount of models compared to the opponent, or my models are a bit lower quality, or I'm doing the run in their face with Sauron and some friends and kill things as quick as possible army, and then chill soul and the spells are happening as I'm entering combat, and I'm just smashing things with those power attacks and barges and all kinds of fun things. So my, my thoughts are you either design your list with Sauron, maybe some Black Numenorians for the Terror, some shooting things, uh, maybe some trolls to hurl stones, some 
siege bows to shoot and you, you just threaten the opponent by snipering off the heroes or you take Sauron with combat models, either a horde or things like wild riders and just run at the enemy and just run them over. Lots and lots of combats. Um, I love the Orcs with Shields because you can just get in there and just hold up space. Yeah, it's really cool with this list that you can actually use those two different tactics. Very different, obviously, and they can both be equally as effective, I would say. I think the standing back and, and dealing damage from a distance is really cool in this list with the ability to take those uh, the siege weapons and obviously Sauron just doing his thing. But then you go into combat with Sauron and what's taking him down? There's, there's not a whole lot, so really great option either way the black numbs probably would be more of a combat oriented option where you, where you're gonna go yeah we're gonna go right up into their face sauron's gonna sit in the middle of the lines we're just gonna deal damage it's gonna be really cool you're not gonna be able to charge everything all the time and yeah it's oh, cool options especially with the uh, the morgul knights in there as well as the real heavy hitters and the trolls of course i'd actually yeah. argue the other way around i think if you're taking the um black Numenorians, that's when you're going to be, you know, doing more of the running back and holding off because the, the Numenorians have got the defense to stand up to enemy shooting, the courage to stick around and deal with uh, being broken. Not that you care anyway, because you have Sauron on the table, whereas the Orcs, because they're a bit more lightly, lighter armor, they kind of want to get to combat quicker than the Numenorians do because they can't uh, stand up to it as efficiently. Yeah, cool. So focusing on the enemy far as well. That's, that's a good point. Yeah. The Black Numbs can definitely stand up a little bit better to that. If you really want to play a long game, you can also keep everything back as far as you can, move Sauron forward on his own within that 18-inch range, and just chill Bowman. So just take their Bowman, anything that shoots at you, just chill so I want to turn. And a lot of times, then they'll keep your Orcs safe, because the bows probably aren't hurting Sauron that much, but they will rip through your Orcs and your support really well. So keeping them out of that 24-inch range against most things, I think the enemy will smarten up to it pretty quickly, but it can be a, a nice surprise if you just start shooting an Elf Bowman every turn or something like that. Yeah, and you chuck a couple of wraiths in there as well, and once they get a little bit closer, you're black darting too. So, like, there's a lot of damage output from range uh, potential in this army. Sauron is, is phenomenal in combat as well, so you basically don't mind taking the majority of their army on with Sauron, especially after you've targeted, like, a Gilgalad with Chill Soul a few times. So you take out anything that can strike or that can that has a really high fight, and then the rest of it you don't worry too much about. Yeah, and you can even go... Uh, another option is uh, a fell beast. You can go a Ringwraith on a Fell Beast, potentially leading a contingent of the Morgul Knights, and just have something that can really get around them if, if you know, you do get pinned into a corner or something and they can hit them hard on the flanks or from behind. So that that's another option, yeah. You've got quite a bit of options. If I'm taking Ringwraiths and things, I'm probably looking at making it a bit of a small army. Well, it's hard to tell. It really depends on the points level. But you can almost do an elite army where you take Sauron, a couple Troll Chieftains, and some Wraiths and not have a lot of troops, have a really sort of small army, elite army, and getting them to do the work. So well, that's the beautiful thing about taking Sauron, is that with the army bonus, if you are over, if someone has uh, three or more wounds remaining, your army can't be broken. Yeah, so there's that points denial aspect to it as well. But more than that, you, you can run, you know, flimsy aspects in a, in a Sauron army, like a 20 model army with half of that being orcs, and still be okay, because okay, you lose the 10 orcs or whatever, and you're 
effectively broken but because of your army bonus special you aren't actually broken so you can keep fighting at full effectiveness yep and very and, true and same reason for taking uh like potentially an all-hero army you know you don't have to worry too much about uh being broken and potentially a hero running away you just throw them into combat and sauron does his thing yeah agreed so what options really are there if you're facing sauron like He's so tough. Like, what can actually take him down? What's the best way to play against him? It's a really good question, Matt. I think in a points match game, I'm looking at the end conditions of the games first of all. And I'm seeing when the game's going to end. And most scenarios end either you start rolling at break. So that's where Sauron's army can be really tough against because they don't break unless you, you take some wounds off Sauron or at 25%. So that's one where you can definitely achieve it by attacking everyone who's not Sauron and really going in hard at, at the Orc support, the Numenor support, any other support they've got and trying to kill that off as fast as possible while giving Sauron a, the lowest amount of turns possible to, to retaliate. So think about the mission objectives at all times. You're probably not going to kill Sauron most of the time because you basically need to get rid of his support first and then go at him with some striking models or a huge number of models. Like a lot of them wait for the botch. Yeah, I think it's fair to say if you do manage to break a Baradur army, you're a long way towards winning that game. Yeah, I agree. I think with Sauron, you, you'll know if you have the tools in your army to be able to take him down because defense 10 is not an easy nut to crack. You, you need to be looking for, you know, master forged two-handed weapons and other big monsters. Uh, even even uh, Aragorn and the pointy sword of doom, you, you're kind of looking at to get in there to actually start really start chipping wounds off him and i think if you've got those kind of tools in your army that's when you might start looking at you know ways of of, of doing a takedown against sauron other than that i think your best solution is just damage mitigation have have some expendable heroes in your army particularly if they have heroic defense to you know run in there and damage mitigate you know shield push him back screen him out of the combats that involve your leader and that's a very important fact that you need to kind of keep in mind when you are playing against sauron is you can pretty much kill anything in the game aside from maybe a smog or a balrog at which point you really kind of need to be protecting your victory points in your leader because chances are it's going to be very difficult for you to, to take Sauron down one of the tactics against these uh like sniper spell casting models so ring wraiths uh, Sauron that I like to use is to basically keep my heroes back. Now, against Sauron, that's going to be really hard because he's got some serious range. So in this case, it's probably keeping them behind buildings or whatever, letting your infantry run forward as fast as possible because he's not killing infantry that fast until he's in combat. And then once he's engaged in combat, bring in the heroes. Now, it might just be the big hero that you do this with. So it might be your Aragorn or your Gilgalad or whatever, protecting them for as long as possible and then bringing them in after you've started engaging, because chances are the Baradur army does not have as much might as you do. And if Sauron has to call heroic moves, that's great, because that's an extra ring save that he doesn't get. You've got to be really careful, because Chill Soul is, is almost the most effortless way of killing heroes in the game. You've really got to mitigate that, and you can either do it by staying out of range, by engaging Sauron in combat, or by staying out of line of sight. Yep, very tough to avoid him. 
no doubt. Also, look, look at um um making the game be played on multiple fronts, especially if you have a like a scenario like domination or uh, capturing the control. Sauron is only one model. Yes, he can influence a large portion of the battlefield with his ancient evil and his extraordinarily long-range spells, but his physical position on the battlefield is only he's only in one spot. So if you can start splitting his focus, give him too many things to have to deal with at once especially if you have lots of heroes in your army like say four or five you know or even more than that maybe even because it's sauron you're probably gonna have a lot of points to play with um getting up to you know six seven odd captains if you can get to like that kind of critical mass of captains you could probably just run at his army and deal with his army because sauron's only going to be able to take out one or two of those captains before the rest of your captains oversaturate him and deplete his army classic burnout yeah, yeah. It's one of the few models that I feel I feel like something like Transfix is almost a go-to spell just to stop him doing stuff. So you've got a Gandalf or one of the spellcasters that can do the equivalent of that Transfix or whatever the good version is of it. Don't be afraid to throw it just to take down his will and potentially stop him doing something for the turn. Who cares if you don't kill him with it? Just to freeze him so he's not doing a spell or so he's not moving around or he's not killing or he's not barging and just like, kill the rest of the army and slow him down. Yep, that's a lot of points to have uh, stopped for a turn. Mm, and to kind of harken back to a previous episode, I think a big thing here, to, if you're playing against a Sauron, is tempo. Up the tempo of the game, play a fast tempo game, and you put Sauron on the, under pressure, because he needs turns to get that sap wheel rolling, to get that um, chill soul rolling, to, to start whittling away at your, you know, your resources and, and the tools at your disposal before he can kind of just have his way with whatever hero in the game. Yeah, you should always be trying, I think, to, to bring the game to an end as quickly as possible when you're playing against Sauron. You see Sauron, run at him. Yeah. Uh, is there much else in the list that you really need to worry about? Troll chiefs, I think, are, are a thing that... Uh... Ooh, if you've got a Sauron and a couple of Troll Chiefs, I mean, I know that's a ton of points, but that that is going to uh, put a dampener on your day, I think. It's funny you mentioned that, Matt, because I've actually got a list for our uh, list portion of this cast that I actually involve multiple Troll Chieftains and Sauron, so... That's interesting, Kylie, because so do I. <laughs> yeah, I think I think you can do some pretty funky things with um, other big heroes. So there's a, a little kind of, like, strategy that I kind of came up with when playing with Treebeard and Ents. It's called, like, Shepherding. That's, that's the name I gave to it, because, you know, I like coming up to names to my tactics. The basic principle of this kind of uh, game plan is you put the big scary things so in this case Sauron and the Troll Chieftains in front of your you know basic orcs and have them do the war so that if anyone tries to get around Sauron or the trolls you have the orcs pick on those models whilst the big hitters slowly push forward with their big base sites because you can visibly cover a fair chunk of the battlefield like a good eight inches just by having an inch gap or rather less than an inch gap between both models and coupled with their base size that's 60 mil on 60 mil on 40 mil with a 20 mil gap in between that's that's a fair chunk of the battlefield i distinctly remember the first time i saw you use this it was with the the three trolls with uh tom burton will and you were barging models backwards and pushing the trolls forwards it was uh sublime it was it was really fantastic to watch so yeah a great tactic works really well um i i know you call it shepherding but i like to think of it as the snowplow 
that's another good uh, name for it. I like yeah. I like that too. Yeah, cool, cool. I guess that's really the main things to do with this list. You've got the race, of course, who can support Sauron with extra spells, which is nice. You've got the cav, the different varieties of cavalry, uh, just for extra movement. I don't mind a few different kinds of cav in there because they can be so useful. You're just grabbing objectives and getting to where you need to be in different scenarios. Uh, so I think it's always handy to few- have a few in there as well. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Cavalry is always, especially when you've got something like a Sauron and particularly the um, Morgul Knights. Because Sauron has, has such a large Neg-1 Terra kind of bubble with that 18 inches, you could probably actually fight on a second front with them and still get the minus one penalty to your opponent, which can be very, very useful. Yeah, definitely. Especially for cavalry, obviously. True, 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 true. All right, well, time to move on to our next segment then. Spotlight. Okay, we're back and we're ready for another Scenario Spotlight. Jeremy's favourite segment, of course. And Jeremy, what have you got for us today? Because we did some very similar scenarios last time, I've gone through the history of the Baradur Last Alliance type scenarios. So I've dug through all my old books just to show how these scenarios have evolved and what they're up to at the moment. So we're not going to cover the main Last Alliance scenario in the main rules book. Listen to last episode if you want to hear that. We're going to go straight to the Fellowship of the Ring first edition book that came in a box set with some Warriors of the Last Alliance and some Goblins for some reason. And in this scenario, you got the idea that you could play a massive game because we had the Last Alliance with Gilgalad, Elendil, Isildur, Elrond, and then 24 men with the spears, 24 men with swords, no bows, 24 elves with two-handed swords, and 24 elves with bows, no spear shields. So you had a huge collection of men and elves against 240 orcs, 60 with bows, the rest with either swords or spears, we didn't care at that point, and led by eight orc captains. Massive game, and the scenario was just basically... First one to kill three quarters of the enemy won. Nice. Just a few orcs in that one. And this is back in the day when all of those orcs were metal. Oh, yeah. It was. Not an easy collection to to make. You would have to be insane. Clinically insane to even attempt that. Yes. Most likely. We still haven't done that one. One day we will. We keep saying that. But the motivation to do it dies off every once in a while once I reread how many orcs that is. Because... I've got a, probably over 100 painted up, and that's a massive amount, and I'm probably going to have to double that at least to get to mm. the 240. Scary stuff. Yeah, and then scenarios come along like uh, the one we discussed in the last podcast where arguably better better written, perhaps, and uh, requires less, or- less orcs. So a little bit more attractive, maybe. Definitely more attractive. And the 72 orcs still felt like a huge amount in that scenario as well. So I don't know that we'll need a lot. It might be a bit of a disappointment when you put all the effort into it and it's just push your models forward and hope. Mm. Uh, with the good side of 24 elves with bows, they're going to shoot most of them before you get into combat as well. Well, not most, but a fair amount. It's going to be tough. Yep, true, true. There's another one in that book, the Fellowship book, the original one, Scenario 8, the Gladden Fields. Uh, this one, it's a Sildor with a ring, accompanied by 24 men, 12 with spears and shields, and 12 with swords, a much more reasonable number. And on the evil side, two orc captains, 40 orcs, and they're very specific here, 20 have swords, 10 have spears, and 10 have bows. Now those 20 with swords, it was basically whatever weapon they have and a shield, 
because we didn't have specific weapons then. And then they must be divided up into two forces. Uh, basically, the good side sets up at the ford of a, a river, and the evil side comes along, tries to take them out. This one's a bit of fun, actually. We've played through this one. Uh, it wasn't too bad. I actually quite like this one. This is the one, one. with the, like, the, the, the really skinny board, where you have to like get the Sildar across the skinny board, yeah? Quite. That was the one. We'll get to that later. This one doesn't actually specify the size of the board. It has the river in the picture off to one side. So potentially you could have a bit more space there. It's a little bit more ambiguous. Objectives in this one, the good side has to reach a line 24 inches from the fork in the stream, and then the evil side runs away. So you basically just have to push forward as much as you can. So the evil side's trying to stop you. Pretty simple scenarios, pretty simple objectives. These are the first ones. Uh, they all had a points match version as well, which is just feels like open play at the moment. Chuck down your points, agree on a points, make it the same for each side, and then away you go. Yep, nice and easy. We move on then to one of my favorite publications, the White Dwarf, uh, Best of White Dwarf Magazine Fellowship of the Ring Edition. And this one was very special because it reprinted the article in White Dwarf that released the Dark Lord Sauron. The first time we saw it, it didn't come out in the original book. It came out in this White Dwarf or White Dwarf special. So he had the scenario Sauron Unleashed. And this time we're starting to get participants we can recognize. Gilgalad, Elrond, Elendil, Sildor, 12 High Elves with two-handed swords, 12 with spear and shield, 12 with bow, and then 12 men of Gondor with sword and shield, 12 men of Gondor with spears and shield, and 12 men of Gondor with bows. So more specific with the weapon options, and that groups of 12 that we recognize now are coming back. We have Sauron, 10 orcs with sword and shield, 10 orcs with spear, 10 orcs with two-handed sword or axe, and 10 orcs with orc dagger and orc bow. Only 40 orcs. Only. How disappointing. <laughs> Incredibly disappointing. At least it's more manageable. And Sauron is not deployed at the start of the game. You roll on his arrival chart to see if he turns up. So, first turn he can't arrive. On the second turn, he arrives on a 4+, plus, 3+, plus for the third turn, 2+, plus for the fourth turn, and fifth turn is automatic. Now, what that means is the orcs get whittled down in the first couple turns if they wish. Uh, they have to basically run at the good side because the good side will shoot them out. And then Sauron's on his own. And the four heroes will have a really good go at Sauron, probably take him out as long as Gilgalad's alive with the fight value. Sauron doesn't have a huge amount of play in this one. He's It's basically a scenario designed to just take him down and make a good story of it. There's just too many good models. I mean, Sauron's good, but he's not that good. Definitely not. not. He's not 72 good models plus four heroes good. Yeah. No. Well, not yet anyway. So that one's, it was a good idea. It looks great. It's, it takes a long time to kill Sauron. So it is good fun, but it's almost an inevitable conclusion. So it was a little bit disappointing that one, but at least it was playable. It wasn't 240 orcs. So we definitely had to go at it. We had good fun and it was a good scenario for what it was supposed to be. A big Sauron hunt. I'm going to move on to Gondor in Flames. Not to be confused with Siege of Gondor or Gondor at War. This is the second version of the Gondor books. The Gladden Fields, same scenario again. This time we've got it on a small board. So this is one you remember, Kylie. And we've got a good number of warriors this time. Our participants in this scenario, for good, we have a Sildor on horseback. 
So we have the horse model. Three Dunedain. 39 Warriors of Numenor, no longer Warriors of Gondor or Men of Gondor. 15 have Shield, 15 have Spear Shield, and 9 have Bow. In addition, we have 12 Rangers of Arnor. Four of them have Spears. So you've got a mixture now. We've got some Rangers hanging out with Numenor. On the evil side, we've got a decent force. It's two Orc Captains with Shield, two Orc Shamans, 50 Orc Warriors, which are basically the two plastic box sets of 24 guys and two banners. Then nine Morgul Stalkers, nine Orc Trackers, 12 Warg Riders and 12 Wild Wargs. So you've got a big mixture and you've got some cavalry here. Yeah, that's a lot of different and stuff thrown in there on the evil side. Yes, it mm. is. It's the showing off different models. From the Gondor and Flames publication of the last line. The Gladden Fields in the Gondor and Flames book. Oh, that one. Yeah, I think I remember playing this one. It, and we liked it. Yeah, yeah. I remember it being like super difficult though for the good side. It was. It was a real challenge, which is not bad either. And we don't mind a Sildor getting killed. But it was one that there was a lot of attrition. The good side really had to be conservative because there was a lot of orcs. We move on to a book that came out in the same year as that Gondor in Flames called Mordor. They're very creative with names here. It had another scenario, a Last Alliance one. And this one was never really my favorite. It's called Slopes of Mount Doom. We had Elendil, Gilgalad, Isildur, Elrond, of course. 24 High Elves, one with Banner, nine with Spear and Shield, eight with Bow, Eight with Elven Blade, so we're getting a bit creative with the numbers. And 27 Warriors of Numenor. One Banner, eight Shield, nine Bow, nine Spear and Shield. So oddly specific. It looks like they're, they're uh, trying to go based on the yeah, metal blisters. Yeah, the blisters for sure. Which is not bad. I don't mind that. For Evil, Dark Lord Sauron, two Shamans, 50 Orc Warriors. Uh, they don't say the banners here, but we assume that's a misprint because it's only got 48 listed. Nine Trackers and 12 Warg Riders. Now, the participants look pretty good. I don't know about the Warg Riders in the, the last alliance, but my concern is the layouts on this Mordor board that they've got in the picture with like lots and lots of lava cracks to play on. And this one, they gave you the rules for lava cracks. And it just, I, it, I don't like it. We're not playing inside Mount Doom. We're not dropping the ring into the lava that's right at our feet. We're traveling a little bit. So the idea that you have to jump over lava in order to get to Sauron doesn't quite fit my image of it i i yeah what about you i remember playing the scenario and the lava like on john's old boards and constantly having to like take those those checks every now and then just kept chipping away at your model count and particularly at your hero's might because like if you fell in it would be instant death so you got to sauron and you didn't have as much stuff as you needed to kill him and then there was uh volcanic eruptions as well so rocks falling on models and you had all kinds of other things going which is not a bad idea but it just I don't know, it just doesn't feel like they're that close to the to volcano erupting and then the lava going in all lots of different random directions over the battlefield. What ended up actually doing more damage to your army than your opponent's army would ever do to you? Just from a realistic standpoint, I, I don't think you can get very close to lava. I'm pretty sure, like, it's it's so hot you just would not be able to get anywhere near it, let alone jump over a stream of it. So, yeah. <laughs> I think you can just survive it, but it's you're not wearing heavy armor and fighting a battle no. next to lava in any case. No, definitely not. So it, it seems a bit odd there. This is another one where the orcs disappear really quickly, and then it turns into an Alindil, Gilgalad, Isildur, Alron fight, which is good fun. The actual game is not too bad. I just get hung up on the actual board layout, and I always felt wrong because I played without the lava a couple times, and it wasn't the correct one, but I just don't get the la the obsession with lava. I get maybe they're just trying to make the board colorful, but it just seems weird. That takes us to the end of our previous Last Alliance scenarios, and we get to the one that we, it's in the rule book, which is 
the best by far. So well done for the design team to to improve on the scenarios. They all had their own charm in a little way, but they're also quite flawed. So I really like that we finally got one that I think's right. Yeah, I certainly really enjoyed it when uh, I've only played it once, but it was a heck of a lot of fun. Would definitely recommend it. Just don't go into it thinking you can just sort of muddle your way through it as the good side. You need to be really focused. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We already have <laughs> fun and the last card. Yes, we did. <laughs> We don't need to do it a second time. I think it was down to my skill anyway. There was nothing wrong with how you two played. Yeah, 100%. It was you using Sauron. That was what it was. Absolutely. Do you think I could take Sauron in a 500-point tournament that's progression? <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, boy. Are you sure you're that much of a psycho professional, Jeremy? No, it's themed. I think I can do it. It's it's a nice themed army. I'm only going to get Sauron and about, what is that, uh, 15, 16 orcs. So I think people would be happy to play against it at 500 points. Yeah, I'd love to come up against that. That is disgusting on a whole other level. <laughs> so am I doing it? Well, someone has to check my cheese, which was six Hasherins. So I suppose so. Yeah, why not? You know, six, just bring it along I... and let the people vote at the start of the event. Hang on, that just went right over my head. How many, how many Hasherin? Uh, well, well, technically it's five, and the six Hasherin is actually Delamere. But yeah, that's what I was going to take. Well, that's some filth. That doesn't seem <laughs> right. Right? Yeah. Isn't it great? <laughs> oh, gee, I'm just taking a standard Gondor list, so. This is for a, uh, a mm. tournament we're all going to this weekend, by the way, for anyone who's uh, not up with the Melbourne scene. So, yeah, that should be a lot of fun. But uh, we'll Sauron at 500. That's going to be tough. We'll see how we go. It's either that or Dale Banners. Just Dale Banners, nothing else. <laughs> Justice for Dale. Yeah, so I'm, 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 either way, either way, I'm going to have fun and my opponent probably isn't, which is ideal. Unless yeah. you play me. At which point I will stick my uh, hasher in on you. Mm -hmm. Banner, I don't know. Don't know if we can get past that. Mustering an up. Alright, we're getting into everybody's favourite, the lists. The part where we come up with the best lists that we can, or something along those lines. Some kind of list anyway. Jeremy's got a list. Jeremy, what have you got for us? I do. I've got a Sauron list. I decided to go small, but not 500. I've gone for 600 points. I thought, uh, 600's probably a bit more fair to play Sauron. So I've gone for the Dark Lord Sauron, taking up 400 points of my 600. I've added an Orc Warrior with Banner and a shield. Eight Orc Warriors with shield. Hand weapons of their choice, axes or swords, doesn't matter. Seven Orc Warriors with shield and spear. So I've gone for the almost the Moran and Orc setup. Uh, obviously just Orc Warriors, but they've got spear and shield. And my thought is here that I would convert the metal Orcs that are in very upright poses, take out their swords or mallets or whatever, and replace it with spears. So they've got some spear shield warriors, seven of those. And then to top it off, eight Black Numenorians. Very nice. How many models is that, Jeremy? Got 25 models all up, no bows, 600 points, one warband. Uh, I don't 
break, I think, until you take some wounds off Sauron. I've got a nice terror wall with the Black Numenorians, and the Orcs can basically hold ground and fill in gaps with the Numenorians. 25. That's really not that bad, is it? Like, it's great that now that he has that 24 model warband, you can actually do this at 600. It's viable. You've only got the one hero, so you're going to suffer a little bit there in that he can only be in one place. But Black Numenorians can go get objectives if you really want and shield and hold their own, and Sauron can start off by chilling soul and causing trouble that way and then when it gets close you can try some instill fear or just beat people up and let the orcs and black numenorians take on people if they manage to get past sauron yeah that'd be pretty annoying to, to play against it particularly at that points level because you're not it's hard to get stuff that would be able to deal with him yeah so you're really dealing with the whole army and then getting objectives and just like taking time and probably breaking yourself and that snowplow method we discussed in the tactics where you can potentially just throw sauron at the front just push stuff around and, and gang up on it with all the other models. Yeah, that's right. Just let Sauron take on as many as he wants. Once he starts taking a wound, you might even bring up your army and help him out. But until then, just let him do some damage. Let him kill, I don't know, six models, ten models, and then put some pressure on. Nice, nice. Mm. All right, I've gone at more of a, uh, a standard points level. So I've taken a, I've written a 750 point list. I think this is probably the minimum for a, a genuine Sauron list, but uh, you know, that 600 didn't sound too bad actually. But anyway, I have the Dark Lord Sauron, one Orc Warrior with Banner, four Orc Warriors with Orc Bow, just, just for a little bit of bow fire, you know, why not? Seven Orc Warriors with Shield, Five Orc Warriors with Spear, two Orc Warriors with two-handed weapon, and I had a couple extra points left over, so we had two Orc Warriors with Shield and Spear. The alternative there is to throw some different weapons in instead of extra shields or spears or whatever you feel like you need, really. In the second warband, we have an Orc Captain for that sweet, sweet march. We've got two Orc Warriors with Orc Bows, four Orc Warriors with Shield, four Orc Warriors with Spear, and two more Orc Warriors with two-handed weapon. And finally, now this might be a little bit controversial, I don't know, because I kind of ragged on them before, but I, I've brought along an Orc Shaman, and he's got three Orc Warriors with shield and three Orc Warriors with spear. And I think, okay, I, I think this pick says a little bit about my psyche after Articon, because I got messed up by a few uh, terror-causing elf lists and an eagles list, and I really, really dislike not being able to charge. So that Orc Shaman is purely there to allow this list to charge into uh, terror-causing armies. Now, you could argue with Sauron that may not be entirely necessary, but uh, that was just... Yeah. My, that were my thoughts when, <laughs> when I was writing the list. So, yeah, that probably says more about me. You could, of course, just go for another captain quite easily. The nice thing about Charmin is people can't play that game where the Sentinels grab a single Orc and take him away and then attack that and, and sort of match your one model for one model kills. So I don't, I don't really mind. you got Sauron, so you can go a little bit wacky, and you've got a reason for it. So... And that reason's a good reason. The reason of just passing courage tests, guaranteeing that if you want your orc warriors to either avoid sentinels or charge terror, they can do that. It's reasonable. You've got enough orcs to justify it as well. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't just throw it mindlessly into this. So yeah, at least I had an idea for it. Total models we've got 33, 39, 42. 42 models at seven hundred and fifty points. So yeah, that could be an option for someone. Uh, it's a pretty standard points level, like you see it every now and then. 
and it's it's just orcs and Sauron. It's it, there's really no no fanciness to it. It's really just allowing Sauron uh, as much leeway as possible in terms of break. Well, not break, but in terms of support, I suppose, in model count. So yeah, that's those were my thoughts on a, just a standard list. So Kylie, what have you got for us? All right, so. The, the list I wrote, I, I kind of had like this idea of like if if you if I was gonna run a Sauron list, you know, a semi-competitive tournament, what would I take? So this is what I end up coming up with uh, for 750 points. So we have the Dark Lord Sauron, of course, in Warband One, and he has a full complement of uh, 24 models in his Warband. So he has seven orcs with shield, seven orcs with spear, eight orcs with shield and spear, one orc with banner, shield, and spear, and a mortal troll with war drum in War. Band number two, we have an orc captain with wag and orc bow, nine orc track orc warriors with bow, and three orc trackers on wag. In our final warband, we have an orc taskmaster, five orc warriors with shield and spear, three orc warriors with bow, three orc warriors with two and a weapon, and one orc warrior with banner, shield, and spear. Ooh, lots of shield spears. I thought it would be unique with that one. How many points is that? That's 750. Really? That's 750. Or maybe it's a thousand. <laughs> I'm but, sure it's at least a thousand. A little bit of a difference there. Maybe it is a thousand. I wrote yeah. this well, a while ago. <laughs> considering you've got a mortar troll with war drum. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Got all the stuff that, that has. Yeah, no, it's probably a thousand. Scratch that. It, it, it's a oh, thousand. It? Ignore, ignore my terrible, terrible math. <laughs> How many models? I still like it. Uh, a thousand. Good question. Do you want to count that up and uh, find out? Yes, I do. It is fifty-one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fifty-one. Runs at you pretty fast too, because it's got a war drum and a captain in there, and a taskmaster. Yeah, not bad. And it can run away from you pretty fast as well if it needs to. So true. You might want to run forward and then back. Try and draw them out that way. Hmm. I wonder. I like it. I wonder how necessary the taskmaster is when you've already got that drum. Well, he's there. I mean, it's also a possible free heroic moves as well. Yeah, and, no, uh, no doubt. Yeah. Yeah. And with a full complement of like 15 bows, or 16 bows, I think it is, you could uh, you could go for a cheeky heroic shoot in like an Illmet by Moonlight or something like that and do some damage. Heroic shoot. It's definitely possible. Yeah. That's okay. Hey, if it's free on a 4 plus, yeah. gotta keep them. Yeah. Got to keep them options available. That certainly is an option that you've left available. Well, think of it this way. If you come up against an opposing army that doesn't have any shooting whatsoever, your shooting suddenly becomes really, really valuable, especially because you can um, move four and a half inches a turn and still shoot with them. Yeah, you probably don't need to call a heroic shoot, though, if they don't have any bows. Yeah, but... Yeah. Just hey, to be safe. Just to be hey, safe. if you're up against a wood elf army... Hey, it's free anyway. Why not? Hey? <laughs> could be free. Maybe. <laughs> All right. Marches with a taskmaster against me just because it might be free, even though they didn't necessarily want to use it. And they end up costing them big time. It's really weird, the psychology there, that it might be free, so let's just use some anyway. Yeah, they it, it makes people do strange things, doesn't it? I think Kylie said it a while back. She's like, just use your might as you would use it, as if it's going to go away. And then suddenly you've got extra things up your sleeve later on. I did yeah, it's a good that. point. Yes. Once upon a time, I did make that point very, or attempt to make it very clear. Jeremy, you have another list for us. We're going to the allies now, and I'm moving on to my red ally list. So it seems that I've got two of these in a row, which is a bit odd. Luckily for me, there are lots of red allies to choose from, because Baradour doesn't really ally that much. So I have gone for a Sauron list with a couple extra models. So here's my list. It's a thousand points. I have Sauron, of course. Then I have allied a contingent of Corsairs. So it's got Warband 1 has a captain with crossbow, four Corsairs with shield, 
four Corsairs with Spear and four Arbalesters. So get the crossbows in there. Warband two is identical. Corsair Captain with crossbow. Four Corsair of Umbar with shield. Four Corsairs of Umbar with spear. Four Corsair Arbalesters. Warband three is even more identical. One Corsair Captain with crossbow. Four Corsairs of Umbar with shield. Four Corsairs of Umbar with spear. Four Corsair Arbalesters. And you guessed it, Warband four is a bosun with crossbow and eight Reavers. I love the Reaver Warband. I love to see what that's going to do. I think you have one more thing in there, right? That you did you mentioned that start i mentioned the sour sour on yeah, yeah okay. important for it it is pretty important yeah leading his pirate army it's, well it's sauron in his uh, um, pirate guys like so after he was a werewolf for a while he did some pirating around numenor so clearly he needs a pirate crew that has as many shooting weapons as possible because that's what he wanted to do to negotiate like treaties with numenor and all this sort of stuff so i've taken basically a really shooty corsair army and the idea is that you scare the opponent so much with your shooting you do so much damage early on your crossbows all go at their heroes you put so much pressure on that they move forward in a, a really rushed way go out of formation and then sauron picks them off and then you take everyone out with throwing weapons i've got a unique tactic here as well where if someone strong is going into sauron i would strongly consider throwing all my throwing weapons into combat because the chance of them wounding Sauron, pretty low. Chance of them moving the other hero or other model, pretty low, but it still puts a pressure on it. It can probably clear out a lot of the models that are fighting. Yeah, good call. Like, th there's not much that is as defensive of Sauron. So, yeah, interesting tactic. Like, throw him in. Just just chuck everything in there. It'll bounce off Sauron and take out a few other things. And then Sauron does the rest. I don't know. Yeah, I kinda, just reducing the attacks. I, I kind of just really like it as that sit back and shoot army that, that we were kind of harking on about with Sauron acting as a uh, quad. Wazai Bowman. Absolutely. I mean, that sounds like so scary to have to take on head on because like you, you run at it, it runs away from you and keeps hitting you and killing more of your dudes as you run at it. And then when you do get close, you get a couple bunch of Reavers to the face. Yes. Not yes. to mention a Sauron. Sauron takes the brunt of the charge and then the bosun just unleashes the Reavers out and they just charge into Sauron's combat and just make a mess while everyone else just continues shooting. Nice. Yeah, I haven't seen many lists that could do as much damage while running away as this one. This is uh, pretty brutal. It's got 49 models, so I can probably hold up for a little while as well at 1,000 points. And that's the thing. It's 1,000 points too with 49 models. That's going to be super, super tricky to take on i want to try it mm, but a couple more arbalists on the flip side i you, you don't get the army bonus correct oh, it's a red the, one yeah you don't so don't need the army bonus well i mean what it means is the the army breaks is the point the army breaks like a normal army. The army breaks. Sauron's just an extra model just to cause trouble, essentially. He's almost a throwaway. He will be the leader, but you don't worry about him getting in combat. You just disrupt as much of him as possible. The Corsairs do all the missions. They kill all the stuff with the shooting. Uh, they're pretty good in combat as well. The might, there's enough might on those three captains that if you need to do heroic moves, you can still call them. And Sauron can just use his might, as he almost always does, to help out with the ring. So that's, I that's... don't know that it's that much of a disadvantage that's not how i see those captains being used i see those captains being used as going right which big scary hero do we need to kill all right there's an aragorn up the front 
Take three crossbow bolts and a chill soul to the face. All right, next turn. Take three crossbow bolts and a chill soul to the face. And you do no, that on three, four turns. That Aragorn ain't going to be there anymore. Well, that Aragorn's going to be goes, behind the building doing nothing. It kicks to the face. And then if you're alive, take three captain crossbows and a bosun crossbow. Then take a sour and chill soul once you've used up all your might and fate and all that sort of stuff. Because the sour and chill soul is so accurate, you can just pick off. So the course says just shoot, kill all the in the ways, rip through models, and sour and just picks on anyone that's injured. Mm, very, very nasty. You both ended up around 50 at a thousand points, is that right? Yeah, roughly. Yeah. Yes. Interesting. Okay. Cool. We've both gone for budget captains to, to balance out with Sauron, so it kind of works reasonably well. Hmm. Yeah, that seems to be the way to go with Sauron. You just need a bit of bit of might in the list just to throw around and, and let Sauron do the rest of the work. On to yours, Matt. What did you do? Yes, on to my second list. So, I got a bit of license to be silly with this one. Uh, Jeremy was coming up with what can we do for lists, and we had a look at the, uh, the allies matrix, and it turns out that uh, Baradur only has a single yellow ally. Isn't that right, Jeremy? It's correct, Bat. Yes, only one. And we decided, yeah, we're probably going to have to throw that in. So that yellow ally is, in fact, the desolator of the north, Smaug himself. Now, Sauron plus Smaug, that's what, 1,100 points? Something along those lines? Yep. That's a lot of points first for two of, models. First of all, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find an 1,100-point army that could deal with a Sauron and a Smaug. Yeah, yeah, and, and I looked at that and I thought, yeah... We could go a few more points here. So I brought it up to 2,000, just a casual 2,000-point game. And what we've got here is the Dark Lord Sauron, seven Orc Warriors with shield, five Orc Warriors with spear, three Orc Warriors with shield and spear, and a banner in there, an Orc Warrior with banner. We've got one Mordor Troll Chieftain with six Orc Warriors with shield, six Orc Warriors with spear, two Mordor Troll Chieftain, six Orc Warriors with shield, six Orc Warriors with spear, a black Numenorean Marshal, with an armoured horse, lance, and shield, the full kit, leading six Morgul knights. And, you know, just for a laugh, uh, I threw in a, a catapult, a Mordor War catapult, just for that little bit of extra range. So uh, this is a, a silly list, uh, and it's one that you would have a lot of fun with at 2,000 points if you were able to get a game of that magnitude. And basically, you got a bunch of stuff that just goes in and kills things, and a catapult throwing stones over the top in case anything decides to try and run away. How, how are you going to get through two troll chieftains, a smaug and a sauron as your frontline wall? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what like, you would do. Like, like let, let's just put that in, into perspective. The weak point in your frontline wall is your mortal troll chieftain. That's the easy big thing to kill in that list. That is terrifying, isn't it? <laughs> I love it. And uh, and Smaug and Sauron can just sit back a little bit. The Catapult does a little bit of the early work, uh, you know, barring your opponent having some magnificent shooting or something like that. But uh, you just go on flames, you just go on chill souls, you just throw on giant rocks over the top, and then you got a, a big stinking wall of, of terrible beasties to try and get through, yeah. So I thought that'd be a bit of fun. I'd be fun to play, it'd be terrifying to play against. <laughs> oh, that's that's all kinds of gross. And I thought I was taking like a really scumbaggery, gross-looking list. Interestingly, that's still only like 54 models. So it's about the same number of models as what you guys had at 1,000. Maybe that's the way you beat it. You take Goblin Town and you put three, 400 models on the table. <laughs> 
Yeah, that, that's it. That's the play. They've got to get him eventually, right? Kylie, what is your scumbaggery army? Well, okay, so I, I decided to go a bit a bit of fun with this one. So, thousand point list, and uh, I'm, I'm just going to, you know, rifle them off one at a time in terms of scumbaggery type models. So, obviously in Warband 1, we have the Dark Lord Sauron. And then I thought, you know, you know what would be fun to have? Someone that teleports around the table. So then I decided for Warband 2, we're going to take the Lingering Shadow. So the Ring Wraith that does all the, the teleportery stuff. I thought that'd be pretty fun. And then whilst I was in the Dolgador list, I went, Dolgador, spiders, spider queen. So for Warband 3, we have the Spider Queen, two Mirkwood spiders, two giant spiders, and two bat swarms, just to be, uh, you know, really annoying. And then whilst we were on the subject of spiders, I thought, you know who we've missed out on? Shelob. Shelob would be great to have in this army. So I added in a Shelob in there as well. And then, you know, at this point, I'm thinking, you know, kind of really all hero-y, kind of really, you know, nasty kind of stuff. At which point I went, I need another kind of like solid frontline hitter that, that can really hold his own. So I decided to pick up Birder Troll Chieftain. You know, I think, you know, an extra three points of might, you know, big, heavy, you know, fight six striker would be really good sitting next to Siren all game. And then for the last model, I was really kind of like trying to really think of what would be really, really annoying to have to deal with. And then I remember there's this really fun spell called Wither. So I figured, you know, Sauron, you know, throwing some cheap ass sat wills across the table. Then, you know, chuck in some Withers from uh, an Angmar Orc Shaman just to lower down the, the uh, strength of some of those really annoying elf lords. Could be really, really fun. And and that's what I've got. That's the list. You really just wandered through the rulebook and picked the stuff you wanted, didn't you? <laughs> that was pretty much how this love child came to be. Very nice. Very nice. I guess nice. if you go any red, you might as well really go red. <laughs> yes, true. Yeah, that's probably the one downside is no, no one likes each other, so no one is using <laughs> each other's um, heroic actions. Yeah, everyone Spider for themselves. Queen leading some spiders and that. But that's okay. Yeah, that would be uh, absolute madcap fun to play. <laughs> kind of want to uh, paint up that and just have a go with it. How many points was it again? A thousand. And it's only 12 like... models. Only 12 models. Yeah, okay. All right. Yeah. But but <laughs> it's, it's 12 really fun models to use. Yeah, for sure. Some interesting support units, some really big hitters. Oh, very cool. And, of course, Jeremy's favourite model, Shelob. Yes. Well, in this context, I don't mind it. Because it's more ungoliant, I think, than, than Shelob. Oh, at this cool. Point. Yeah. Yeah, the Spider Queen is Shelob, and Shelob is ungoliant. That's how it, this, that's how it makes sense. Out. I like it. All right, beautiful. Well, that's uh, all our lists, listeners. And I think that's all we have time for today. So thank you once again for listening. And remember, traps win games. Thank you for listening to the Green Dragon Podcast. Please be advised that the Green Dragon Podcast is not suitable for children, the elderly, pregnant women, those with a history of heart conditions, or anyone expecting to receive worthwhile advice. You can contact us on thegreendragonpodcasts at gmail.com. Yes, it has an S at the end. Or our Facebook page, The Green Dragon Podcast. We do not claim ownership of any works based on J.R.R. Tolkien, New Line Cinema, Warner Brothers, or Games Workshop. This podcast is purely for entertainment. The thoughts, as rare as they are, are solely that of our hosts and guests. Farewell, listener, until we meet again.